Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome to episode number 307 of the Talking Comics podcast. We are guerrilla recording for you tonight on a Monday, of all things. Uh, As you know, about a week or so ago, there were some technical difficulties for the show while I was recording. And here we are again! So, I have have a lovely co-host sitting quite close. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> let's go around the table and introduce everyone uh you already know me but i'm also joined by mr bob ryer con crud away <laughs> jessica schaefer's here tonight oh hello there and sitting really really too close to me <laughs> is tickle, tickle, tickle. broadwin mary kelly say well hello lover Boy, Uh, Joey is away doing some theatery things this week, so Bronwyn is taking up the chair. Poor man's Joey. (laughs) No, never. He's the poor man's Bronwyn. (laughs) All right, so listen, uh, full disclosure, this show, Bronwyn and I are sharing a microphone because I cannot figure out how to put two USB mics into my laptop and split it into one channel, even though I sound like I know what I'm talking about, I assure you. I don't. <laughs> In my defense, I tried it two days ago and it totally worked. And then we went to go and record and now it's not. So that's one of Murphy's laws. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, we hope that sounds okay. Uh, this is what we're doing for tonight. We'll try to have it figured out by next time. Her fingers are officially crossed. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So we have some people that went to New York City Comic Con this past weekend. So we'll be yeah. talking about that. <laughs> We'll uh, we'll chat about some comics. We got a little bit of news going on, and uh, a listener question or two. You know how we do it. You know how we do. That's right. All right. See, Brown agrees. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's what? go straight to it. Let's go straight to a mystery question. Oh, mystery question for hour two. Eventually, <laughs> I'll probably stop doing these eventually. But I love I love that you moan and wail every time that I bring it up. It's only encouraging me to do more of them. And I love that I can't even participate because sitting so close to the host, I have eyeballs on the answers. It, it's uh, just not fair, though. Bob knows everything. Like no, I mean, you I'm... can't. Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> Knows the answer to everything. Hashtag Bay of Funding. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I knew that one. Where'd you pull that out of? No, you always, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but I don't know how many teddy bears are in the world's largest collection. I've got no clue. All right, well, this this week's uh, question is multiple choice. So you have have a one in three chance of being correct. You ready? That gets me in the Hall of Fame. Okay, go ahead. How many different scents can the human nose detect? Is it A, 26,000, B, 50,000, or C, 
a hundred and ten thousand. Hmm. Twenty-six, fifty, or a hundred and ten thousand. I'm gonna go with C. I'm gonna go bigger. Go home. <laughs> okay, uh, Bob. See, I would say that too, but you said that, so I'm going twenty-six because that's just a funnier number. All right, the correct answer is fifty thousand. Oh, oh wow. stumped them both. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is our. Uh, Semi no explanation, no funny story. Come on, Steve. No, 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 no. We got, uh, we got one more. We got one more. This one's okay, actually, good. this one's right. just for entertainment's sake. Great. <laughs> what is Sonic the Hedgehog's full name? Oh, drum roll, please. I don't know this, and I'm surprised that I, don't I know love, this. I love that Jessica was just like, mm. oh, like. Not only do I not know that, but how come I've never wondered well, that before? Yeah, how come I've never even thought about this? Like, I know a lot of this one I actually video knew. game trivia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really this one this? I know. I did. I don't know how she knew this. I knew this. And if I don't know it, I don't think Bob's going to know it. Uh, right. Our booth not Fauntleroy Hedgehog. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Close! Not really. Not. All right, uh, Bromley, would you care to read the, uh, what is Sonic the Hedgehog's real name? Ogilvy Maurice Hedgehog. I was close. I would have never guessed that. I would have never <laughs> Little guessed Lord that. Ogilvy. Yeah. Sonic isn't even in there anywhere. How did they come to it? How, how did they come? Yeah, where did that come from? Like, Sonic ooh, is his I don't name. Know. <laughs> yes. Now I have He's a hedgehog. Song in my head. I, I mean, it would have said Spiny Norman, but uh, no one would have gotten that one. <laughs> All right, kids. We are going to move on here because we've got tons of stuff to talk about this podcast. I want to hear about New York City Comic Con because neither Bronwyn or I got to go this year. And we were both really sad and bitter about it. Okay. We missed you. We did. Yes, we did. Well, tell, tell, was... tell us tell us more about how much you missed us. <laughs> we, we missed you very, very much. Yeah. And it was very, very packed. Uh, it the, there was construction going on at the Javits Center, so it was very, very packed. Like it was a little, uh, a little overwhelmingly packed. Um, <laughs> when you say packed, we, what do you mean? I mean, aside from like, there being a lot of people, was there just a lot of diversion oh. of traffic? Oh, it was just it was just too much. You know, uh, like Artist Alley, they moved into. You went last year, right? Yeah. I don't know if everybody else went. You know, yeah. whoever didn't go, there's you know where they had like the VR like kids stuff. Yeah. That was artist alley. What the north? Really? The, right, yeah. the north. Right, the north pavilion has been knocked down. Yes, that's where the new construction will begin to double the space. So they moved artist alley across to the south. They they cut the space. They also cut the number of artists, but yeah. not by enough to make the difference when you add in the extra factor of they didn't sell four day passes this year. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think that made a difference. I, I don't think that selling, I think people just bought each day. <laughs> I don't think anyone really cared. Mm. Um, and it was hot and smelly down there. What it a was nightmare. very, it was, it, must have it been... was like it didn't have AC. I felt so bad for the artists, though, because they had to have lost, you know, they go there to make money, you know. Oh, I'm leaning out there. But what you call it, they, um, they go there to make money and, uh, I don't know. I, I hope it didn't affect them too much, but it was. I know myself where I would have normally spent a lot more time down in Artist Alley. I did not because it was just unbearable. I yes. was under the assumption that they were going to go like they were going to cut down the middle 
where you take the escalator down and where everybody waits to go into the convention rooms, that they were going to maybe knock one or two or four or six, whatever, of the dividing rooms down to make that uh, the thing. And I guess, no. No, no. And that would have been a great idea, yeah. but they didn't. <laughs> what, they did, what they did instead was, and this worked at a certain level for the panels, anything on the main stage or in the outlying areas so that you didn't have to wait online for two hours at a time. You would go into the that big room in the middle, and they had shoots set up, literal, you know, with the, with the bars. And you, you would take your badge and tap in to the panel you wanted to see, and that would reserve you a seat. Oh. And then they would text you. when and the... then, Right, and you'd go back 30 minutes before, and you'd have a seat. And they would know how many people were in the room. Oh, that's that cool. room yeah. Right. But then that space had to be taken up for hours at a time by thousands of people rushing at 10 o'clock in the morning right, to, to, try, get to and try tap and get in. in. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. So it worked in one way, and I think more people got to see the main stage event than ever, though still people got shut out because everyone wanted to go see certain things. But that worked. Artist Alley was so dense. If you didn't get there first thing in the morning you were going to have to spend a half hour to traverse the room. Oh if yeah, you, you couldn't get from one side to the other. It was, yeah. it was, I, you know, and I have, I have some anxiety when it comes to like, I've gotten better over the years and I can be in crowds, but it got to the point where I was so, I was so anxiety ridden that I couldn't even like, I was like, yeah, I have to leave. Like I wanted yeah. to see, like, this is my sad, my sad stories was the two people that I wanted to see was Scotty Young and Gail Simone. And I, it was so packed that I just gave up. I was like, I can't, I can't even get in here. Like I, I, it's, you know, it was, it was very sad. So I did not get to see either Kale's Motors, Scotty Young. Oh, that's the worst on two levels. Cause yes. Artist Alley is my, is, that's my go-to. That's my place. That's my happy place when I'm at a con, you know, is yeah. I want to be hanging out in Artist Alley, but two is cause Gail Simone is awesome. <laughs> no, and I really, She's I so really want to sit down to and chat her. with, you know, and to not get an opportunity to do that because of the, design is that's brutal yeah yeah it was it was pretty brutal i felt more bad for them though than myself because like it was so hot it felt like there was like no ac on and it was hot here it was like 80 degrees every day so it was hot it was like hot and sweaty and like you know it was i felt more bad for the artists that i did for myself you know did you have to take yeah. the escalator down to get to artist alley every time no no no, no, no. you could you... still cheat and go along the through the food courts underneath that was that was a little better yeah i was gonna say there was no way that upon entering the building and going to the left like where they usually have the dc costumes and all that stuff that's that's right where it was that's right right where it was was. oh god i can't imagine putting artist alley down in that space there's not enough room there was not enough room uh there was not enough aisles were narrow if people stopped on both sides of the, at the tables, which is why everyone's down there, you could barely get one person down the middle. Oh, God, heaven forbid you be cosplaying. Well, well that was and, the other problem, yeah. too, is that people were cosplaying. And then, like, you know, I, I, I don't understand, uh, you know, because I looked at it, and now I am uh, on the side. I'm a photographer. That's my hobby. I brought a beautiful camera. I was outside. I took a ton of pictures of cosplay outside. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of people. There, we're wall-to-wall people. It, it is 100 
100 degrees and they were stopping in the middle of artist alley to take pictures and i'm like what are you doing like, oh god oh keep walking keep walking you know and these were like you know people with big old cameras they should know better i'm sorry <laughs> no that's the yeah. worst yeah. Yeah. That's, not, that's nothing new but yeah i was really surprised by artist alley and i was pretty sad about it yeah. again in the past they've had when you looked at those tables they were into double letters right double a double b double c they cut that entire tier out and they did smartly move the most heavily trafficked table, they turned it into a Batman table at one end of the room. Yeah. So sitting over there at various times today with Scott Snyder and Capullo and Marguerite Bennett and Emmanuel Lupacino and Tom King and Charles yeah. Soule. So at least they took that out of there. But when the aisles, there was one big aisle because of the room and lolly columns down the middle that can only be one aisle, which if you could have chop that space up and widen the other aisles out, you'd have had something. But it was so compressed that, just what you're saying, Jess, if people really want to, to take their time and stop and shop at each table, you were so, I have to get to so-and-so, because you're not even sure with so many panels this year, was anyone actually going to be at their table? Were they running out to do a signing? And you could spend a half hour down there, get to their table, yeah. and be right back, or... Well, that was it. Every time I did get down there, it was, yeah. you know, they were not there. Uh, I did get lucky. I got lucky once and it was pretty cool. I went to Ryan Brown's table and he had the one in 50 variant of like the sparkly kitty of curse words. Nice. And I was like, ooh, I'm like, yeah, I kind of have to have this. I'm like, we didn't get any at the store. I'm like, yeah, I want this. Uh, so I'm picking up and he's like, yeah, you want me to sign it? And then all of a sudden a person next to me starts talking. He's like, yeah, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I look up and it's actually Charles Soule. Nice. <laughs> And he's just standing next to me. Now, he had a line. He was supposed to be going to sign books. And he had yeah. a line of people out the door. And he was like, oh, I can't sign your book. You have to go wait online. I was like, really? And he was like, no, I'm going to sign your book. So I got both of them to sign oh, it while I was standing there. Nice. So that was at least, that did work out in my favor. But it was, I looked up, I was just like having a conversation and I didn't realize that was him standing there. And he was just like, yeah, you know, I, I don't know how many other books, maybe five other books did Sparkle Kitty covers. And I was like, what? <laughs> like I looked up and it was just him standing there. I'm like, yay. Nice. So I did luck out on that. And that was pretty cool. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I ended up getting to hit new, everybody on the floor I wanted to, except... Chip Zdarsky. Oh, and he's so much fun. I know, but his line formed two hours before he got to his table. And was all the way out. The, the and it was all the, way, all the way right back around to the escalator. Good for him. And That's awesome. Well, 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 what was happening is, and it, you, if anyone's seen Chip at a convention, he didn't have, you know, the, the he and the fraction doing the bullhorn thing. But it was nearly like that. Everyone who came to him, he was sketching in everybody's book. He was giving everyone a moment and a conversation. So the lines never moved. Everyone was thrilled at their interaction. Oh, yeah. But Most people were just sitting on the floor, though, waiting. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, okay. So I kept going back. And I figured, oh, I, we got to talk to him, and I hope to get him on the show. But he, he, was, he was the one I missed. I missed getting an autograph that's not part of Artist Alley, but we'll, we'll talk about that one later. But I mean, over the course of the couple of days, got to see, of course, you know, Jeremy Whitley, big, big friend of the show. We, I finally got another copy of the Princeless trade because I've given away three copies already. So I actually have one <laughs> autographed to me. Nice. So I, I, I won't give this one away. He had the trade of the wasp, so I got him to sign the wasp. Elsa Chartier was there, hmm. table or so away. So she, she signed that too, and she'll, she'll be on fairly soon. 
certainly got to see Stepan and, and Linda Sayich, who had a huge display. She ended up with the Concords. Let's hope Linda feels better soon. Oh no! Yeah, she had a yeah. she had a, she had a big so out lovely, on though. Sunday. Yeah, I got to I got to stop at their booth and just tell them how much I like their stuff. I'm like I really love you guys. Oh, <laughs> you know, all cheese out. Like, awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. they were they were very nice, and you know, you could actually walk up to them for five seconds. I got there at the at a good time in the morning. So, well, now I'm jealous. So, yeah. Uh, who else? We I got to see Erica Henderson. Oh, cool. And I think she she might come on. We're going to try. I got a lovely print of the new space cover for the, her new arc, her legacy arc of Squirrel Girl, which at a, at a Marvel legacy panel, she described it as, well, what's your legacy storyline going to be? Uh, we don't know. Squirrel Girl in space, maybe? Good. Let's do that. <laughs> it's like, okay. So the cover, you can actually... Remember that Silver Surfer issue that that Joey and I had a, or we had a, I don't want to say a disagreement, that he didn't read the right version of? Oh, yeah. Well, the the Squirrel Girl cover can be looked at from either upside down or right side round because they're kind of the same depending on how you look at it. Oh, it's like an old Mad Magazine. Yeah, it's one of the, oh, speaking of that, there was a Mad About Mad panel that I went in because I did want to see it, but also made sure that I could get to see another panel. And they had Al Jaffe, the fellow who designs the fold-ins. Mm-hmm who worked with Stan back in the timely days, this guy's 96, and still designing every other fold-in. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. And someone asked them a que- asked a question about, well, how about you know the fold-ins? How do those work? Well, let's ask Al, who's here at the con, and he, he has such energy and such vitality, and he's 96. It's like, oh, man. Gotta love that. And the panel that followed... It's the autograph I couldn't get. It was John Byrne and Walt Simonson talking about Jack Kirby's 100th birthday and just going crazy. They did a marvelous hour, questions from the audience, just two master creators just really having a blast with each other and joking around. And IDW, who put it on because they did the Kirby Artist Edition, they, they brought John in from Connecticut. He doesn't do conventions very much. He did the Star Trek one last year. So maybe he's coming back. If you bought a Star Trek book, a burned Star Trek book at their table, it got you a wristband for the ticketed two-hour signing event. It was Friday. So Thursday, they wouldn't sell the book. They were only going to sell it Friday. They didn't want to give anybody special uh, advantage. They opened the doors every day early, which did help. If you got there, you know, 15 minutes early, you could actually get to where you wanted to on the floor in Artist Alley and get something. So that was very nice of them to do that, the book, read pop books. So I get to IDW. We're not selling the book yet. Oh, uh, is the line form? No, we're not going to let the line form till 10 o'clock because that's just not fair. Ah. I went and picked up something else, a very, not a very rare, but a, a hard to find Wonder Woman annual from the 70s. So I had to get that. Came back to the to their booth five minutes later. Not only was there a line, the line was capped. <gasps> what? Not cool. Yes. Yeah, they had 150 people online. It's like, well, wait a minute. I thought there was. Well, they were all massing around the booth, so we had to do something. You know, security wanted us to do something, so we started the line. They went, well, can I get on the line? No. Yeah, but I. They should have let you on the line. I'm no. sorry. They should have let you on the line. If you were there before, and then they decided, yeah. I don't know. Yep. No, they wouldn't. Okay. On the site, on John Byrne's website, he said he would try to sign as long as he could, depending, even for people afterwards. Because the deal was, he would sign, this is IDW's rule, he would sign 
something that wasn't IDW if you had two IDW pieces. I have plenty of his IDW work. So great. And I brought a Fantastic Four with me. So it came back. The line was never moving. Because he was he was not sketching, but he was chatting with everybody. And it was it was lovely to hear some of it. So I kept walking past and trying to do other things because it was two hours. Got to near the end. And it was, no, he's he's done. He's leaving. As they were saying it, I, I looked at him. He's taking, he was signing for the two people who were on the panel with him. And they put on his coat and left. Uh, that was that. So that didn't work. But other than, than Chip and John, I got to see, you know, all the creators I wanted to see. Uh, David F. Walker. I got him to sign a chef paperback that he wrote. And nice. His, you know, we talked about his new Luke Cage, and he is definitely into coming on with us, which is gonna should be fun. Uh, Kate Leth was amazing. Oh, fantastic! That's another. I did not get to see yeah. her either. That maybe, but I didn't get to see a lot because, yeah, yeah I, I just right. couldn't stay down there. Yeah. She signed my number one issue for last year, Hellcat number eight. Oh. You know, my my number one pal cover her. She helped tribute issue with Patsy and. She said, "Oh yeah, I had to, I had to do it to make everybody cry. That's what we that's what we were trying for." <laughs> it's it like, worked. well, you, 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 you yes, you, you certainly did. You certainly did on that one. I also got to go up to the Boom Archaea booth, which we all know is a highlight. And describe to their folks how they were our number one publisher for last year, which they were very appreciative of. And a book we talked about just a couple of weeks ago, the graphic novel version of Jane Eyre called Jane by Aline McKenna. Well, artist Ramon Perez was there and we had a, a nice conversation. He not only signed my book, he sketched Jane on the front page, the inside nice. front cover, a great little sketch. And I asked him that what I brought up uh, on the show here, did he have any specific models as he was setting out the characteristics of the characters? Because I said to him, I mean, I see Joan Fontaine and Orson Welles. In the way you drew them, and he he said to me, well, you know, not I didn't use photo reference or anything, but I do love that movie. So maybe subconsciously, I drew Orson Welles. <laughs> sure, very nice. Work works for me. It, the, the thing of, of this show is, even if Artist Alley was smaller, I think it's one of the problems with the crowding. I think the star power was really high. Yes, it so, was. Right, there people would really cool. Yeah, there. <laughs> so people stayed and and wanted wanted to wander the room as as much as they could. And if you do add the idea that when they were selling four day passes, people would trade the pass off and let someone else go on Friday or Thursday or Wednesday. Some people would buy a four day pass because there was a bargain, and then not go all four days. When you sell individual passes to each day and i as just said we saw people hanging all four days off their yeah. lanyards it didn't matter it, it actually made you're, them go all four right, days because you right. spent that 50 bucks or 60 bucks you're going now right yeah so, you're not you're not saving anything anymore like i think the only part like i get a professional pass so for me i was like i'm not going sunday i was done by sunday i could have went on my own but i was like no i'm like i can't even i couldn't walk at that point no. Bob, so so, it, Bob it, told me were, saturday night i looked like i was just gonna fall over yeah yeah, it, it got really packed because of that, which also made all the panels really packed. Oh, I yeah. bet. Some place there to were... sit down. Yes, in, in a lot of cases. People sat in the line so they could sit in the room. There were a lot of great panels, though. There was an interesting uh, kind of problem, really. And it, it happened in the past, but they spread them out a little. 
Carolyn mentioned, uh, Carolyn Coca Eisner award-winning Professor Carolyn Coca was there, along <laughs> nice. with our Melissa Megan, and spent most of the, the weekend with Aaron Amos, a good friend of Talking Comics, that all the educational, professional library stuff was all Thursday. Which kind of made it difficult if, if all you could do was get Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, unless they're assuming all the pro passes went to four days and went to that. The weekend was more centric to, to comics, and there were some decent announcements. DC did announce that Mark Doyle will be handling the relaunched Vertigo line, hmm. which is cool. nice to hear. Over at Marvel, there was, you'll love this, Steve, tons of attention and questions about Runaways. Oh, really? They had a whole runaways. Like, as soon as you, yep. when you're queuing for the line, as soon as you walked up, they had a big runaways thing that you could walk up to. It was oh, like, like the, I was like actually very surprised. Stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys see the trailer? No, I didn't get no. to see the trailer. Oh, it looks no, they really, had a... really good. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in my in my estimation, yeah. Like, when I, when I read that and kind of, you know, you envisioned the story in your head, it looked a lot like that trailer that they released. So... Hopefully, you know, like it carries throughout the show. But for, I like what I've seen so far. There's a lot of uh, really cool throwbacks to the comics, like just in that couple of seconds. Awesome. Yeah, it was an yeah, exciting it, looking it, trailer. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Rainbow Roll, who's doing the book, is apparently a huge Runaways fan from back in the day. So she she wants everything to be as, as much like the old as she can while still being new. So... Just one of the real problems is everyone's dead. So we're going to try to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> Only in comics. It, I love it so it's much. Like, it's, like, it's like comics. That's exactly what she said. So we can, we can sort of fix that. Uh, another great panel I saw was, it was called The Wonder Women Behind LGBTQ Characters. So you had uh, Gail Simone, who everyone was sort of pointing towards as, as, as a role model, just great stuff about all these books and how you need to change things. Uh, Vita Ayala was on that one. I, I, of course, when I need my notes, I can't find them. Okay, here we go. Uh, Gail Simone, uh, Vita Ayala, uh, T. Franklin, who did Bingo Love, who Melissa and Caroline talked to at Five Points, uh, Jenny Wood, who did Flutter, which we've talked about on the show. And you start to, we talk, there was a lot of talk there about uh, David Gabriel's diversity conversation of a couple of weeks ago. You can imagine that got a big cheer, so to speak, in that room, where some of what we've all been saying about how it, it, there's a new readership and you need to address those folks too and just find new avenues and about scholastic book fairs and the rest. And that was, that was pretty sweet. I had an interesting, well, we should talk about Saturday night, I guess, too, Jess. We did have our meetup. Yeah, we did. We did have our meetup. It, we didn't have... A huge crowd, but we had a really, really good crowd, and we, we did the Algonquin this year. Nice. It was it was a really nice time. Oh, it was I just a couple Algonquin. of us. Um, yep. That was very far of a walk after my third day at Comic-Con. Yes, it was. Okay, we apologize. You didn't warn me. Yeah, you didn't warn me that far <laughs> of a walk that was. Shoes I'm like, the girl. like, wait a second. Yeah. Oh, man. Actually, I have to give credit to my shoes. They were great. They were wonderful. I wore a pair of shoes that I didn't think were going to be great, and they turned out to be wonderful. I mean, your feet hurt, period. Like, But as far as shoes go? They were good. No. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. What'd you call it? Yeah, it was a walk, but it was a great, you know, a great time. I wish I could have stayed longer. Unfortunately, uh, by that point, uh, you know, I had already gotten text messages that my dogs were being jerks. And if I didn't get yes. home, they were going to be thrown out a window. And Did you, you went home every night? Was, 
Yeah, I oh. have to. I have I have four dogs, man. Like they can't, you know. I mean, I can't. My mom and dad, like my sisters, watching them. My one, my one dog is just not uh, good to other people. <laughs> He's not okay. nice to other people. He's very nice to me and Dan, but he is not nice to other people. So it's hard to like make someone else take care of him, you know. Uh, so you, you do what you got to do. Yeah, and you actually you brought guests to our round, our own little round table, which wasn't really. We'll discuss that in a second. I, uh, my husband Dan came, and my girlfriend Andrea, who uh, we go to Comic Con with every uh, year. They uh, they they joined, and she I think she was uh, she seemed really excited. They were both down, and we were all worried that we were going to be so tired. But that was such a it was like a lovely. We all just sat there nicely and talked, and you know dealt with a rude waiter. <laughs> yes, he was. He was kind of uh, snarky. Oh yeah. Um, and eventually, At the we, instead of ha- yeah. yeah yeah. Well, we we started with sort of six or seven. And then we needed to expand it, so we weren't at the round table, which was taken, which is what we we wanted. And he, we ended up with the Tetris table. <laughs> That's right. They just added like another they, piece. Right. It. They added a puzzle piece to the end of a twofer and made it a threefer into like a little triangle, which which is a little awkward, but it did make for easy conversation if it looked awfully weird. Your friend Andrea was really enthusiastic about the new Algonquin cat. Matilda has retired. Oh, yeah. To Minnesota, apparently. She so now, is a crazy cat lady. So you so had a crazy have, cat lady looking yeah. at a cat. You told her there was a cat there, and she was like, "Where? Where's the cat?" You Living know? behind the front desk. He's named yeah. Hamlet. He's named Hamlet this time around. Yes. And he is awfully friendly. There have been an awful lot of Hamlets before him, eh? Yes, absolutely. That that he has to be Hamlet, and he was a charmer. He'd let you stroke him under the chin and tuck behind his ears and everything else. I actually yes. read an article introducing Hamlet. Yes. I'm not even See, kidding. I, I did. Send me, send me the link to that. I will. I will, I will send you the link, yeah. Bob. It was adorable. Yeah. We also, we also had a guest, Chris, who he didn't come all the way for us, but he came from Australia <gasps> to come Ooh. to the New York Comic Con. Yeah. Yeah. And he was yeah. absolutely wow. lovely. What a yes. really lovely guy. Like such a nice dude. Like really, he was great to talk to. Really nice dude. Yeah. <laughs> Super it, sweet. It, it was a conversation with between eight of us, I guess, as Aaron was there too, as well as uh, Melissa and Carolyn. And it just, it little pods formed and people talked to everybody in every little direction. And of course, you know. Yeah, it was I, lovely I, to meet it, Melissa too, because you have to remember, even though we're both on the right, same show, yes. I've never met her before. I've met Carolyn, but I've never met her. Melissa. Oh, so it was like, yeah, I yeah, forgot no, that. it was very nice to meet her. Yeah, 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 yeah it was Melissa's lovely to meet awesome. her. Melissa actually yeah. did my hair for our wedding. Oh, I want her to do my hair because my hair looks like crap right now, and her hair looked really good. Uh, I know, yeah. I, but I Melissa's do follow her. Amazing, she's a magician. Yeah, yeah, I follow her Instagram. Her hair Instagram. Yeah, well. <laughs> me too. Uh, she's so good. You could you, you could take the train up to New Pulse. I could. After all, Lauren Collins does the same thing. Goes up for hair treatments up in New Pulse, and we we want to send our best to Lauren as well. She's a little under the weather. Had an appendix operation. Yeah, appendicitis. So had had to miss even even the Algonquins, but we Aaron will be back from Washington sometime fairly soon, and we're we're trying to plan another meetup, another oh, talking fantastic. comics meetup at the Algonquin if we can. Well, give Aaron uh, a big hug from me. Call him absolutely. Harry. <laughs> um, well, I'd love to go back there again, but not 
you know, I walked into that. Okay, so I didn't know, you know, I've never been to the Algonquin. This is my first time. And I walked in and I was like, oh, no. Like, there I am, like, <laughs> I am, like, sweating. We're, like, dripping sweat at this point. Like, we got, like, stuff stuck to our shirts. Like, it's not a good look. <laughs> and we, like, walk into this beautiful building. We're like, oh, boy. <laughs> Bob didn't <laughs> warn us it was a fancy pants place. <laughs> yeah, no. Bob did not tell us that we, you know, oh, whatever. We, you know, we just sat down and had a drink. Hey, there were people wandering into the hotel who were staying there coming from the con no cosplayers yeah. that would have been good if someone came in cosplaying as matilda or something yeah right <laughs> um, the, now my the, my real problem was that night you know we we left when we finally left the rest of it it was probably 11 30 i got on a train got home at one-ish and had a commit had come back in the next morning there's still a couple people i need to catch and i did on the floor uh walt louise simonson who, fingers crossed, may he apologize? He's he's very bad at answering emails, so all my emails went for naught. But we're gonna we're gonna work this out, I think. Since that is that is my gig, getting getting comic creator married couples to come on the show. I've got all, it's it's me and Bob Eubanks, I guess. We do this married couple thing. Very those nice. remember wed game. Thank you very much. Uh, but that morning, I got to go to something that that you do all the time, Steve. But a first for me, a uh, director, writer, movie star, roundtable press event. Ah, yeah, for pro- grounds. <laughs> yeah, for 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 Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Oh, you went movie to that? About- That's awesome. Yeah, I got at the last minute. They sent me the okay. I was I could have gone to the panel, but the panel would have ended up being redundant in a way. So they did release another trailer that well, I will post my write my little write up. And had a great conversation with the folks around me from other sites as we were chatting up. We we could have had our own roundtable. And then director and director writer Angela Robinson, who spent four years researching and four years getting this thing made. And actress Rebecca Hall, who's playing Elizabeth Marston, and Luke Evans, who's playing Dr. Marston. And, you know, as we talked on the show, my initial thought of the tra- trailer was, oh, this is a bit salacious. They're going for something else. As Karina points out, well, that's what everyone sees. Every male critic sees when they see uh, their relationship. It's the polyamory of it and so on and so forth. And, you know, we had, we had read about some of people's qualms that, that that I had myself. And when you spoke to the people, they all did so much research. They were all committed to telling the story of these people that they weren't they didn't think of themselves as odd. They tried to raise their children properly and everything else. It was just their way of living. And I'm the movie comes out this week, I believe, in, in some major cities here in the States and around the world. So I'm much more enthusiastic. I, the qualms I had are mostly gone away. The, the one I sort of have is I understand the Marston family didn't want to participate and then weren't asked to participate because it, it's a touchy subject, I guess, when it's your family and it's now going to be this, as, as someone else someone at the table pointed out, this was my go-to, you know, geek trivia question is asking about Dr. Morrison and the lie detector and everything else. And now everyone's going to know. But you, <laughs> add that, you now add that to the idea of you know, Dr. Morrison married to his wife, Elizabeth, they then take up with Olive Byrne, his assistant, and they all live together, have their children with both women and the rest of it. But the way they describe the love between the three of them that we, we 
Well, the finale of the story, Bronwyn, if, if you've never heard it, I know my co-hosts have heard me rant about this forever. <laughs> no, I'm not after, familiar. After, after Dr. Marston died in 1947 from combination of polio and cancer, the, the two women then lived together for 40 years. Oh, wow. In a loving relationship. So it is so special. And I, I got that feeling from Angela Robinson and Luke Evans and Rebecca Hole that that's the story they're trying to tell, not some... Ooh, yeah, snickery, snickery, look at these weirdos. It's, it's not going to be like that. So that was... I'm happy you found that out, though, because I know you. Yeah. We, we talked about this in the store, what, like, yeah. like a couple of weeks ago, and you were like, rah. I'm like, you were, yeah. not, you were not happy. So yeah. so I'm glad that you found out that it was different. And that it it was actually sounds like a, a really lovely love story, yeah. that, especially that they could be there to support each other through that loss. Yeah. And so I... It sounds like the right story being told, and I, I only stammered a few times. Good for no. you, Bob. Right. Well, I, I had, look, I had old reference. I had some Mike Wallace questions written. You know, I was going to be the inquisitive reporter. <laughs> and and, and, and mm. it really wasn't that kind of a room. But the question, it's yeah, funny. I don't know how press things ever are. Right. Well, what, what, if, what happened here, maybe just because I'm old and bossy and cranky. I don't know. I was third in line. And as the, the the talent sat down as their handler referred to them. The, the first young lady, we were all just, who's going to start? And I just pointed to her and then it just went right around the table and then follow up sort of bounced back. And it all it really, it worked seamlessly. If I had recorded the thing, it would be great, but I can't, you know, I wrote it down, which I can't then post online, but we'll, I'll, I'll figure something out. I, I did ask a question about considering, you know, pulling off what Trina said, Considering how critics, mostly men, focus on the bondage imagery in early comics without getting the context of what Dr. Morris was trying to do, and then again, their, their relationship, how are you addressing that with the film itself, and what with certain critics might say afterwards, and the kind of answers I'm describing were, were given, that's where, wow, okay, these people understand, and they're trying to do it. Will the movie deliver? I'll let you know after I see it, but I'm I'm hopeful. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that there's uh, maybe more that meets the eye to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I'm happy for you, Bob, because you were so sad. Yes, yes. Well, and, and like, as it sounds like whether or not they succeeded, at least they were trying to head in the right direction. You know, yeah, there you go. That attempt being made to tell a story that's a little, you know, perhaps non-traditional, uh, but in a positive light and, and with support for, you know, non-traditional lifestyle that's still positive and, and uh, you know, a happy place for children to be raised and uh, a healthy lifestyle because it's consenting adults that are loving and, you know, trying to support mm -hmm. one another. I think that's whether or not it, it ends up being successful, you know, financially or or as an art form, at least that message is being attempted to be told in a public forum. I think that's really important. Amen. Thank you for that, Bronwyn. I couldn't have said that better myself. I couldn't say it better myself. So perfect. Perfect way to count that. My, my finale for the whole show, I, I mean, Jessica left Saturday after the wilds of the Algonquin. Sunday, yeah. Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, 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 was, good. yeah. <laughs> Sunday when I, I left, I had to check in at the Hammerstein Ballroom for this roundtable for 11. 
Sunday, first of all, was pouring in Manhattan when I got there. So I actually, I utilized the fact that there's a new subway stop that comes out right in the Hudson Yards across the street from the Javits. Oh, that's finally open? It's finally open. It's the nicest subway station in New York. That's Just awesome. no one uses it yet. It doesn't go yeah, no anywhere. no one knows it's there. Right. Just wait. The longest, It'll be a bathroom. Yeah. I know it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it will. But, it will. But it was pretty sweet. But when I left... I asked, well, can I come back through at least the blue entrance, the press entrance? Yes, but you do have to go through security again. Getting back in, security wasn't bad, but the entire room Sunday was like the busiest part of a Saturday, and that was at noon on a Sunday morning. It was, yeah, that's it, why I didn't go. It was, <laughs> I it knew was it was going to be too much. You made, you made the right call. I knew it was yeah. going to be too much. And like I said, I have like a bit of anxiety. I've come a long way. Uh, to where years ago I wouldn't be able to go to these events, but like, yeah, that just became too much for me. <laughs> we spent a lot of Saturday outside, people watching, people watching. I mean, if you're gonna go, if you will, if you like to people watch, I mean, there's no better place than Comic Con. I'm sorry, it's no, the best honestly, place. Honestly, that's the we best sat part. On that. Yeah, it, it, you know, we sat on the curb, and I, I like to, I like I said, I love photography, so I did get a lot of really awesome pictures, and there was a lot of, I have to say, I was pretty happy this year because it wasn't like a thousand Harley Quinns or a thousand, you know what I mean? There, it was a good mix, and there was some really interesting stuff, and people really went there. Steve, you will be, never... no. Steve, you'll be saddened to hear that though the empanada stands were back inside, <laughs> quality. <laughs> Quality, quality fell off the table. No. Yeah, no, they yeah. were not the best empanadas. It was oh, sad. That is oh. very disappointing. It was. I don't know. Went for the spinach. They didn't have it, so I had the chicken. It was bland. Oh. Shredded dry chicken. None of that no. great sauce within yeah, the, no, the chicken or whatever. Short. is bad. <laughs> yeah, no, they weren't very good. That's just really sad. That, I mean, up your game, NYCC. Come on. Did it have the sliced olives in it? No, it had nothing. Get it out. Chicken. It bad, out. bad shredded nope. chicken from co- It the tastes like a better. Banned from the con. Ones better, maybe? The beef ones did have a whole olive in it. Nope. Oh. Yeah, nope. but not the, not the cut-up olive. Nope. I know what you're talking about. They nope. had a whole olive in it. They're these these might have been from Costco. Yeah, not, I think not they were. Not to denigrate Costco they either, not. but yeah. Yeah, they were pre-made. They weren't good. Problem is just silently shaking her head. I agree. As, as you should, as, no, as you should. No, I got, I got, I got a phone call to make. Yeah. Not, not yeah. in my town. <laughs> not in, not uh, my, my big finish to the show is I, I, I wandered into her two or three times out in the street, and once going past her table, Kristen Godsnuck from Hench Girl, who co-hosted oh, with nice. us some while back, got a lovely sort of postcard-sized Ms. Marvel sketch that is absolutely full of Kamala's energy, and. A beta carotene pin. She made oh, little sweet. tiny carrot pins. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So she she did a signing. At, she didn't even realize she was doing it. She did a, a signing every day at noon for an hour at the Dark Horse booth who print, who did the trade paperback edition of Hench Girl. Yeah, yeah. She didn't, she didn't realize when she signed up, it was for every day, and they were calling her, well, you're just a hero. You just come back every day. It's great. Oh, that's amazing. That's that's great. And that's good good yeah, for her. There was a lot of, lot of response to her book as people were looking at it, and I didn't know this book before, and she had the biggest smile on her face, and it, it's lovely that's to great. see someone so deserving, so friendly, so open, getting, getting that break, as we've seen so many of the People we talked to early on, whether it was Marguerite Bennett or so many other folks, 
Wow. Okay. You 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 get get something good. You're a nice person. In this injury still good things can happen. Nice. By the way, there there was a there, it wasn't on the schedule. And there was there was a Women of Marvel panel this year. There was. And there it was. wasn't on the schedule. It wasn't on the schedule. No. Then it was back on the schedule. Then it wasn't, and then it was in the book, even though it wasn't on the website right away. Awesome. Yeah, and that's why I would have went to that, which made me angry because I looked on the website and it wasn't there. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> you know, that's the story of my life. Such as such is my life. So. Yeah, and, and, and even even so, with all the the Michigas about whether it was gonna or not be, what I got over there about 45 minutes early and it was already it was that, that one on the corner it's a06 or whatever it is and it went around the corner and wrapped around twice before it came back into the hallway what oh well I'm not getting into this one and I asked the, the fellow running the line and he said I can't tell you I don't know who's gonna leave because we didn't clear this room out there was some funmation panel or whatever it was so okay look I came back a half hour later 15 minutes to go if I get in, I get in. I've only wasted 15 minutes. One of the last people to get in, but I was there, so it was still Judy Stevens, Sana Aminat, uh, some other great folks, including uh, Rainbow Roll talking about Runaways. And it was the usual sort of how many people are interested in being in, in this industry. Let's network. Let's shake hands. Has it changed enough? No, not yet. Just tons of positive energy. And when we talk about our other story, the fact that you still need to have the Women of Marvel panel for now, just until we get some of these other Neanderthals out of here. <laughs> but the energy in the room, you've been to them, Steve. It is so fabulous. Yeah. And it's 13 people on the stage who ran from video producers, podcast co-hosts, online YouTubers, editors, writers, artists, a lot of folks at Marvel. I, th I think Sana said that something... 35 or 40 people in the office and it all you know women of marvel panel start because they used to go for coffee and all turned it into this so mm. heck of a way uh, as a panel to end the day and all things considered the usual good time was had by all as cranky yeah. as we're making some of it sound but you, yeah no it, yeah, we're, yeah we're making it sound but it was really a good time and i can't say that because like i have to say with all the crap that goes on in our world right now like it, you know, you go there. I mean, I can't tell you how many really wonderful people that I yeah. just sat and talked to, you know, and that I met or or how many like I spent most of my time like I like to find like weird one off books. That's what I like to do because I work at a comic store. I could order whatever book I ever want, yes. you know, like any mainstream book that's in in you know, previews, I could be like, Hey, like I want this and it will be ordered for me. So I like to go around and I really like to find like strange, you know, like really strange, like the stranger, the better. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have to say I, I did pick up a couple that were, you know, one guy pitched this to me and it was probably the funniest thing I've ever heard. And it's a book called man vs. rock. <laughs> okay. All right. And I mean, just as I, I didn't care what the book was about. This guy was so passionate and so, you know, like into it and so this is happy. Rock, you see? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's the way he, he was like so good. And I was like, you know what? I don't even care. Like, here's my 10 bucks. Like, give me the trade. Like, I'll read it. I didn't get to read it yet, but I, I will read it. I think I put down Steve. I think I was saying I, I got a book called Off Girl and I you know, uh, I sat there and talked to the creator of this book for probably, God, a half an hour. And the guy was lovely. Uh, he was, uh, you know, just really a lovely guy. And he was actually a commercial artist. So I had a lot in common with him. 
you know, and I could tell from the style it was very like illustrator, like very flat. Like it had like this really awesome look to it. The book was fantastic. I read that. I read that right away when I got home and it was great. It's kind of like a sex criminals, uh, but oh. darker. And uh, yeah, there's some things and should this girl can kind of kill people by having an orgasm in a general area. <laughs> So, yeah, 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 but it was really good. The art was really good. And like he, you know, was lovely. And that's what I spent a lot of my time. And like, but you think about it, I talked to so many people. I talked, you know, all all these people, you go up there, even just sitting outside, like, you know, I met a lovely guy who worked at one of the booths and he was talking to me and he was a a marketing guy. And, and he was like, I was like, I just, it just started. I was like, Hey, where'd you get your overwatch lanyard? And he's like, Oh, I work at this booth. Like, you know, we had this lovely conversation and he rips his bad, bad off his lanyard and gives me his lanyard and was like here you deserve this have a great day like I was like really and he was like yeah he's like stop at the booth later maybe I got a t-shirt I could tell you I was like all right we'll do you know but it's like you don't know you just sat I was sitting on the floor like you know hey where'd you get that it's it is you think about like all the craziness and all the the crap that goes on in our world and you can go to comic-con and and literally talk to anyone and everyone was pretty copacetic. I mean, I didn't really see like besides the drunk people Saturday nights, like, you know, on Saturday night, like really everyone was pretty happy. There's no fighting. There's no, you know, uh, there's no hate there. It's, it's, it's somewhere where you could go where everybody's, you know, happy to be there and everyone has some kind of connection and it's nice to see people. Yeah. These are your people. And it doesn't matter what color, shape, size, religion they are. It's, it's, you know, everyone's happy and they're happy to be there. And this is their Mecca, you know, this is where they want to be. You know, I, I joked about it and I posted a thing on my Facebook that said like, I'm going on my nerd vacation, but really that is my vacation. Mm -hmm. You know, I took two days off of work. That's a lot for me. So, you know, like this is what I did for vacation, you know, and I think there's other people that that's, you know, that's just the way they feel. And I, I don't know. It's nice. It's nice to go there and just have a good time and not have to think. People are there for all the right reasons. It's for shared hobbies. And though there are many sects to what we do, there are a lot of offshoots. And and we don't all get what everybody loves. We all understand that feeling of, oh, I'm in a room where there are other people who like these things that I do. And granted that New York is probably failing London the most diverse city on the planet, the diversity in the room of ages and races and creeds and you name it, tons of families, tons of little people doing some of the most amazing things, the smiles on little people's faces. Oh, the kids. Some of yeah. the kids' cosplays. Oh, my God. Kids' that cosplays. These... Love yeah. that so much, the little oh. ones. Oh, my God. Like, there was this one little girl who had a full, if you play Overwatch, the character Farah. she had a full, and, like, she was into it, and her parents were there with her, and we talked to them, like, I was like, oh, and it was, like, phenomenal. Like, phenomenal, better than any adult, and they were like, she wanted this. She wanted to do this, and we helped her do it. I'm like, A, you win at parenting, okay? That's yeah. <laughs> number one. Like, A, you B, she wins at being a kid because she was like, she had like the pose down. She put on, like she was smiling. And like when she went to take a picture of her, she'd put on this like serious face. And he'd be like, are you kidding me, kid? Like she was totally into it. Yeah, no, the kids, the kids there, there were so many kids there. And, you know, it's, but that's, you know, that's our future. You want those kids to be there. Right. One of my favorite cosplays of all time was from uh, NYCC and back in 
2015, I think, but it was a Dr. Horrible sing-along blog cosplay. It was a family I... cosplay. And so um, the dad was Captain Hammer, and the mom was, oh, God, her name is going to escape me right now, but you know who I'm talking Penny? about. Penny, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and their son was this tiny little, oh, my God, he was so cute. He with the goggles and the gloves and the little lab coat and the whole nine. And they were just, they spent the whole con chasing him around because he was so excited to be there. I, I was just like, oh my God, that is the cutest Dr. Horrible I have ever seen in my whole life. Can I take his picture? We were together on that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And I was, just, they're like, you can take his picture if you can catch him. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to like chase him down and ask him if we could take his picture. And we, so he was great for posing and he wanted to, but I'm talking, this kid was maybe three. Like he, he was a tiny, tiny child and he's just running around having the time of his life. And it was the most adorable family cosplay I have ever seen. I was dying. Like I was making incomprehensible noises. I was cuted unto death. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I agree. I love it too. Oh, there was another guy he had done up the stroller as Moana. Okay. So he had it. The whole stroller was a boat. Okay. And he had wow. this whole stroller as a cosplay. And the, you know, like there was a hey, hey, there was like a big sale. Like the kid, it was a little boy. So he was dressed up as Maui. Like I, I was like, I was like, dude, like, you know, like, like you're winning at parenting right here. Like, this is Seriously. the best thing in the world. Like, oh. you know, and hey, like, good for you. Like, I mean, this thing was like well done too. Like, this was big. This was large and in charge. Okay, I was like, that had to take you, and he told me it took like months to create. I'm like, God. I think <laughs> you, you should you should print stickers for next year that says you win at parenting and hand them out yes. to people and hand them out. No, yes. really, gold stars. Like, yeah, these, like to take like that long of a time, like the little. Uh, Steve, when I put up this, I'm going to send you this picture of this, this Farrah, okay, because it was, it shot water out like the gun and like steamed, it was like what? insane. Yeah, oh no, it was like amazing, like she was probably one of the best costumes I saw the whole entire time. Did it she was... have like any of the little sentries or anything? No, uh, no, 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 not Symmetra, this is Farrah, this is the one that flies in the air with the big wings. Oh, yeah, 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 the, like, yeah. the, the Metroid one. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, like, and like, it had the wings came out. They were like retractable. It was right. insane. It was insane. Like, send me, send like, me, send me the photo, and we're gonna uh, give give me your final uh, estimation or wrap up of of the con for each of you. It was oh, great. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's yes, absolutely. It, it, here's the thing. and and again, nailed it. It is the be. First of all, be in the company of actual friends, and in, in this case, uh, Carolyn, Melissa, Jessica, Aaron, Chris, uh, Andrea, Dan, and the people who wandered into us during the day here and there. Oh, I, I was at I was at Erica Henderson's table, and I listened to your podcast as I was talking to her, and those sort of folks. But it's being in the company of you know, to, to paraphrase David Lee Roth, fifty thousand of my closest friends, in essence, a room full of people of the same likes, where you can really feel safe. In your in your nerdiness and have it be something celebrated instead of looked askance at. Absolutely. It was great is the easiest way to say it, though, Jess. You got that yeah, right. It was great. We had a good time. I was excited to meet Melissa. It was nice to meet, you know, the other. Uh, it, it was it was lovely. I had a great time. That's it. End of story. <laughs> askance. He says. I love it. I say askance. All right. Well, we're going to do what we're going to do. You and I. 
Bronwyn, is we're going to build our own Conky, like the robot from Pee Wee Herman. And every time, every time that Bob says just like this killer word, it's going to bop around and, and print out the word. And every time somebody says it from now on, you have to scream and run around. <laughs> I want to get in on this, though, then. I want to start throwing around my favorite words. So what's your favorite word? Ooh, I don't know. I think maybe numismatist. I thought Ooh. philatelist was your favorite word. Well, that's up there, too. Yeah. All right. That's the guy who takes blood, right? No, that's a phlebotomist. Oh, oh all right. sorry. <laughs> a numismatist is a coin collector, and a philatelist is a stamp collector. I thought, oh, okay. There yeah, you go. Wait, a numist. Oh, God. <laughs> I can say this word any other time in our lives together, and mm-hmm. I can't okay. say it right now. Numismatist. Yes. That's a coin collector? Mm-hmm. Why is yeah. that our name for the... Because it's my favorite word. Holy... <laughs> oh, gosh. I thought that, like, it was some secret society shit going on. No, no, no. I've got one for you that I would have used as a mystery question, but I don't get to host. So here, here's, <laughs> here's, here's one. All right. What's a cruciverbalist? Ooh. Cruciverbalist. Okay, well, verb, if I'm breaking this down, is words. Uh, crossword. Crossword? Someone who yes! does crossword? Yes! <laughs> Someone who creates crossword puzzles. There's critical thinking 101 for you. Yep. I like pancakes. <laughs> I like turtles. All right, everybody. Listen, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about some comic books. We'll catch you in just a little bit. Comics. Yes. Comics. Comics. Comic so books. much comics. That is why we are here. Really? Is this a? Is that that happened here? Sometimes do I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it's quite a while before we get to comics. But guess what? We can Comic. do what we want. That's how this right. goes. I do what I want. Show. We'll do, do what, what I want. want. It's my hot body. I do what I want. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, we do have listener questions, but I respect my authority. I say. <laughs> That we go right into some comics, and we'll pepper some some listener questions in and around our books. Sound okay. good? Great. Yeah, okay. Sure. Let's start with <laughs> Jessica. Batman number thirty-two: The War of Jokes and Riddles is over. How yeah, how, how feel yeah. you? Oh, it was it was very feely. It was very feely. Ooh, uh, you know, last issue, you know, we had Kite Man who came in. I mean, Hell if yeah. you didn't read it, I'm spoiled. Spoiler alert, uh, Kite Man came in and kind of saved the day. Uh, you know, the Riddler teams up with, with Batman to take down the Joker, but really he was trying to jump, double-cross Batman, and, and Kite Man comes and double-crosses him. And, uh, you know, you're left with Batman, the Riddler, and the Joker in a room. Uh, you know, and it goes from there. So pretty much Batman gets to a point where he goes to kill the Riddler because the Riddler has no (gasps) yes and but the Joker stops him and puts his hand in front of him yeah but we get all these feels from Batman because you know he that makes him no better than them and Batman is having all these feels and he's with Catwoman and do I spoil this oh that's a big spoiler no this is the no 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 no. There's I, I can't I can't spoil it, but at the end there's there's a, a pretty big big reveal between Batman and Catwoman and it's pretty good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really liked it. It gave me all the feels. It made me <laughs> it made me feel very I I was super happy with it. Uh, I'm a big 
fan. I've said that before of the whole Catwoman Batman thing. So I'm just going to leave it as that. Uh, but yeah, that's where they, they leave you with, with Batman kind of questioning his morals because he went to kill the Joker. It's about damn time. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. He went to kill the Riddler. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm saying the wrong thing, but yeah. Dressing up and going out at night, beating people up. What's wrong with him? Yeah, but he doesn't. You know, he didn't kill them. So he went to actually kill. Them. Yeah. That's a theme. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a theme tonight when we get to our next book. But uh, I also read Batman Thirty Two, and yeah, it was cool. I like the uh, the motivation, if you will, on the Riddler's part, kind of why he went through all the trouble that he did, and it's just when you strip away all the craziness of some of these characters. You really just get to the core of that they're they're deranged individuals. And sometimes their motives, as pointless as they may seem, like the way that they fixate on them and stuff like that at their core is some of the most fascinating parts about them, besides like all the tricks and all the elaborate p- plans and stuff, is that they really are just off their rocker. They're just nuts. There's yeah. no rhyme or reason. Yeah. They're nuts. Yeah. The the the, the <laughs> like the, the Batman rogues gallery, if you will, or or just I don't know. There's been enough history there to really, really establish them. And so many different creators have had their takes on them that when you get new motivations from characters and characters written in a really smart way, it's refreshing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really dug it. The other thing, Batman, actually, no, we have two Batman related books left. So Batman White Knight number one came out. This was Sean Gordon Murphy's like Batman opus that just started. And I'm going to say right off the top of the bat, I friggin loved it. I loved it. I thought it was I'm so mad at myself. I forgot to pick it up. (laughs) I I thought it was great. So the book opens with Batman, Batgirl and Nightwing in hot pursuit of the Joker. But this is like Tokyo Ghost Gotham kind of stuff wow. in terms of style and elaboracy and things like that. And the Joker is riding around Gotham on a hoverboard and like <laughs> and talking to Batman and doing all of these things. And Batman is maddeningly obsessed with taking the Joker down. So like he's going on rooftops, he's smashing through construction sites and there are people around so, you know, maybe you don't want to trash the place and endanger people yeah. where uh, you've obviously got bouts in your belfry if you're going to be flying around doing that stuff. So anyway, Batman catches up to the Joker and just starts like raining blows down on him. And Joker's talking to him about their relationship as they, they do. And while the Joker is choking on his own blood, he holds up a uh, like a little thing of pills. And he tells Batman that all along he's been... Gotham's nightmare and that if he could just swallow some of the pills that he has in his hand that he could do better than Batman can for Gotham and he'll prove it to him he'll prove it to everybody so Batman in a fit of rage takes the pills out of his hand and puts the almost the entire vial down his throat practically killing him and somebody records the incident on their phone as people are wanting to do and they submit it to the press, and Batman is made out to be this this horrible thing that you know goes unchecked. It's a lot of the old Batman tropes that you've heard before, but mm-hmm. Murphy is doing it in a really, really effective way this time around. Like he's violent in this; like he's pushing past people. People are almost getting hurt, but there's Batgirl and there's uh, Nightwing and everybody to kind of pick up the slack. 
but it really kind of makes you take a step back and think about what the Batman is and what he does and, and just how much destruction has caused and all those questions that come up and stuff. So the Joker is basically wanting to turn himself into the white knight for the city. And upon taking the pills, he actually does get better. And Batman is incarcerated for who he is. And it just, people start calling the Joker Jack Napier. And the story Uh-oh. is kind of filling in all of the pieces of how that came to be. Like, how did how did they switch places? How is Batman locked up and chained to a wall in, you know, Arkham or wherever? And the Joker is dressed in a nice suit and he's now a public figure with no makeup and his hair is slicked back and he's, you know, like doing his thing and whatever. Um, it's really, really good. The art is spectacular. There's tons of uh, like Batman Easter eggs and stuff like that that you can catch on several of the pages. It's not just one or two, like they're all over. And uh, the overall tone is just fantastic. Like I said, it carries a Tokyo vibe, a Tokyo Ghost vibe to it in terms of kind of like the attitude being displayed uh, in and around Gotham during the story. And I just thought it was awesome. So like, I was a little worried. Like the first couple of pages, I was like, oh, what are you doing here? This kind of sounds a little bit like everything else. I've Okay, that's where you're going with it. And uh, I had a lot of fun with it. So Jess, I think you'll you'll really get into it when you read it. I was so angry at myself. I like ran in the store because I didn't work Sunday. So I like ran in the store and like, there was like customers that I knew there. So I was like, Oh God, I was like talking and like grabbing my books. And like, I forgot to put that on my poll list. And you think that the lovely gentleman that I work with, yeah, I'm calling you out. I know they listen. Yeah. To this. <laughs> I know they listen to this. Yeah. I'm calling you out. You think the lovely gentleman that I work with would just put it in my bag, but they did. So I, yeah, I got home and then I was like, Fire. Oh, I went to go buy it. My, my comicsology won't work. It won't let me buy anything. I don't understand what's happening. I was really disappointed and sad. Anyway, I'll let you continue. But yeah, it does sound like something that I love. <laughs> so I think, I think you, you like Tokyo Ghost, right? You read that? I did. I, I, I read the first couple. I think I read like the first trade and that was it. Or there was only one, right? It was only uh, six. There's, there's two trades, 10 issues. Oh, total. there was two. Okay. Yeah, there was. I read the first trade of it. It was very good. Okay. So second one is wild you should definitely uh finish that at some point if you can yeah yeah i would like to <laughs> that's a goal i would love more time to read comics steve i, I am would, aware yeah. <laughs> i'm aware steve. thanks for bringing it up thanks for bringing up that my you know my life sucks. all right <laughs> <laughs> so um our last dc book this podcast here come here come closer Aww. Aww. <laughs> is, uh, Steve is now hugging me for yes. everyone out there. Aww. Aww. Snuggle party. <laughs> <laughs> the snuggle is real. Yes. Aww. So Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica. Number one, Paul Dini, Mark Andrico, and friends. Hiram Lodge wants to make Riverdale a better place for the next generation. So he's looking to build Lodge University, a place where young minds can be molded free of charge and learn the skills they'll need for tomorrow today i I wrote that okay that's very nice if university ever restarts it gets out of lawsuits you can write the promo (laughs) here's the thing though he's aiming to build the new school grounds atop sweetwater swamp home to several riverdale specific species of both the animal and plant variety so you know who's got a problem with this don't you dun 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 dun. i'm gonna guess poison ivy you would be correct. Thank you, Bronwyn. 
Uh, after presenting Lodge with an alternative plan and being denied, Ivy and Harley decide to remain in Riverdale while Pamela comes up with a better plan for putting the kibosh on Lodge University. If Vegetative you... injustice! <laughs> <laughs> if you've read Archie or if you've, you've read some of the the like the newer Poison Ivy Harley crossover and stuff, it's exactly what it sounds like. The parents start themselves into the Archie Archie and the gang's world and hilarity ensues. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'll warn you though, this is much more old school Archie than the new shiny CW Riverdale stuff. So you've got like, it's kooky and it comes complete with plenty of Betty and Veronica drama, which is not like always my thing with the Archie comics. But, uh, I enjoy the absurdity of Harley and Ivy finding their way uh, to Riverdale and into a Halloween party at Riverdale High. <laughs> and they decide to dress as each other, but in their vintage outfits. Nice. Thinking that like they're just gonna they're just gonna slip right in and, and walk amongst the crowd. And then there's a there's a hiccup. There's a, a wardrobe malfunction, if you will, oh, no. with other people that are attending the dance as well. So uh, I'm looking forward to when Harley inevitably puts the moves on Archiekins. <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be worth buying for sure. Hey, would you say this tonally is sort of on par with those Scooby Doo team up kind of things where they go cartoony, where we where the DC characters end up over there? Yeah, I, I mean, mean it's okay. It's got a little bit more of the of the. I mean, it's definitely Archie. Like the humor is Archie. The artwork is you know really soft and bubbly in a in a in a nice way. It, it fits, mm -hmm. but um, it's cool. Like crossover stuff is interesting in that tonally it has the vibes of both. Like it's very DC at times, and then it's very Archie at other times. Like and all in the appropriate places. So. I don't know. I think I think it's fun. I'm gonna stick with it uh, for a little bit. I'm definitely gonna give it another issue and see if it, it continues to be fun. It might be something you want to wait for in a trade, but uh, I'm gonna check it out and I will let you know either way. Man. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Righty. So we're gonna move it along. Hot cha cha. What do we got next? Ooh, I didn't get to read this, Bob. So, so I won't spoil it. Man. I'll be careful. Hawkeye number 11. Hawkeye number 11. Kelly Thompson, Leonardo Romero, Jordi Belair. It's the arc finale. I'll just say that. And if you remember the last time, the cloned Kate, who has Madame Mask's consciousness, no less, has been gallivanting around as Hawkeye and had kidnapped Kate and her dad and put in her, the prison that apparently is underneath her mansion. Because if you're a supervillain... You've got to have a prison under your house. And tons of minions guarding her. Yeah. Now, Kate, of course, being Kate, she finds a way to break herself, her dad, and Lucky, the pizza dog, who happens to be there, too, out, out and about because she wants some answers and she wants to belt Madame Maskin right in the mush. <laughs> she's, had, she's, had, she's had enough. Now, since I can't say too much, there is a wonderful... Two-page spread of fabulous Leonardo Romero art as the two Kates come together. It's a huge battle on Mount Lee where the Hollywood sign is. Just a wonderful, wonderful finale for this arc. And it's really spanned the entirety of this series because there are throwbacks that go all the way back to the beginning. 
and we come forward. So that that's a lot of fun seeing them come together. It is just a wonderfully written series. Kelly Thompson was our breakthrough writer for last year. And this Hawkeye series, I think, is the pinnacle of what she's doing. She She's taken the best aspects of what Matt Fraction had done with Kate. We go back to the uh, you know, Avengers days, and it all has swirled together into this series that is perfectly done every issue. Uh, Romero's art and her words together, Kate's personality. This is just absolutely special. So mm. I think you'll love it. I hope I, I don't think I spoiled anything there, Steve. I think I managed to whet your appetite without saying much. There are some nice revelations here, mm. some really good things here. And we'll move us forward into our next story. But you'll you'll feel satisfied about some things as well as new mysteries that open up. Well, I'm looking forward to reading it, Bob. Thank you. You're welcome. Know what I smell. What do you Trade paperback. I smell, <laughs> I smell a best ongoing nominee. Ooh. Yes, it, it has gone in in pen at this point. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure that there's at least three people that are going to throw that in the room. Yeah. Um, spoilers, I'm going to be one of them. <laughs> uh, talking about other ongoings, one hell of an ongoing. I finished reading The Mighty Thor. As Whoa. well as the unworthy thing. Yeah, so 1 through 23 of the Mighty Thor and 1 through 5 of the unworthy Thor that happens like right before the third arc of uh, of that. And yeah, I, I really, I don't know how much more I can say about it that I didn't say last time. It's just an epic emotional gut punch with plenty of action and some of the most beautiful artwork I've seen in comics like since we've been doing this show. Russell Dowderman and all of the other artists that contribute to that thing, especially when they're going in between worlds and into dream worlds and flashback sequences with guest artists and stuff like that. It's just an incredible collection of talented people. And Jason Aaron has done such a phenomenal job with that character over these past couple of years between Thor, God of Thunder and Mighty Thor and Unworthy. It's insane. Oh my god, and War War Thor? War Thor. War Thor was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. You punch his beard and it's like dwarven steel. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Like somebody Smith punched him. Yeah. Somebody punched him in the beard. Like they broke the bones in their hand. I was like, oh my god, I need that. <laughs> the beard is mighty. Yeah, like when they st- when they start like allowing humans to have like AI upgrades and stuff like that, I'm totally getting a beard upgrade. You're going for the beard, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> retractable bristle so it could be as long or as short as i needed to be that day whoa <laughs> the singularity is coming the chia beard all right what if maximus shows up with his walmart clippers though oh, oh don't God. even get me started we didn't we weren't on the show when you guys no. talked about it humans. nope nope oh nope. my god so why don't we why don't we derail into that for yeah. a minute Okay. I'm feeling saucy. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't Watch know. Out I, now. I feel Watch like out. I summed it up pretty thoroughly with nope. Yeah, holy yeah. shit. That show, yep. I'm not going to go on and on about it because I'm sure people don't need to hear it. But Again, woof, yeah, right, yeah. Woof, woof. Woof. It was so. Nope, I like that. For, for me, for me personally, I, it's obviously there are a lot of people that enjoyed it, and that's totally cool. I just could not get over 
so much of what was going on in that show that didn't make any sense. So much of it didn't make any sense. Things were happening that would never happen in our reality or theirs or the combination (laughs) of the two. The whole scene with Black Bolt in the middle of the street with so many cop cars showing up for somebody who walked out with a with a suit, where the fuck? Yeah. And then they're beating him in the street with sticks yeah. and kicking yeah. him and shit. And then like he gets back to the station, and he takes off the cuffs, and they're like, "No, it's cool. He surrendered yeah. earlier, so it's fine." So he takes a phone call in the middle of getting his mug shot, and nobody bothers to come up to him. Are you kidding me? It's so yeah. stupid. Lock, Lockjaw is asleep for more than half the episode. Now, Lockjaw was amazing. Lockjaw looked beautiful. He I, did. I loved yep, the Best thing in thing. the show. Totally the best thing in the show. So they yep. put him to sleep for yeah. like three quarters of it. Karnak falls off of a cliff. Yet when he wakes up, he uses his powers to be like, hmm. But you didn't yep. go, but you didn't see that coming, buddy. Yeah. I mean, like, maybe I don't understand his powers and how they work, but that was dumb. Especially after they showed us how calculating he was in that, like, practice room or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he, he mm-hmm. fixed getting shot in the head, but not falling off a cliff. Yeah. I've infiltrated this, you know, top secret base, but I can't climb down this little uh, bluff that I got going on here. <laughs> Holy God. And then they they cut Medusa's hair off. Spoilers. And, like, I don't I don't need shows that like this where, you know, they're clearly not set in, you know, current world so it's, it doesn't need to be our physics you know so I, i'm on board with schmizics like it doesn't need to be current science but <laughs> you know if you're going to set your own rules you need to follow those <laughs> so yes. when you know when you establish a mythos follow it yeah by by the premise by the flick they used to say about 50s giant monster movies yeah i so- know it, an ant the size of a bus couldn't walk it would collapse and it couldn't breathe but you know what Atomic okay. mutation, and you set it in play. Okay, I buy it. I'm going for it. Exactly. Um, it's willing yeah. suspension of disbelief, right? Yes. And I'm on board. Yeah. I'm totally okay with this. Mutants done. Golden. We're in. Mm-hmm. You know. But once you start breaking your internal mythos, well, what have I got consistent. to hold on to? You've well, got to be internally were, consistent. Yeah. As as Carolyn pointed out, they did hold her down by the shoulders, so obviously her hair couldn't work. Well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> amazing. I don't see my my thing is this. I understand. I get it. Right. Like budget. Budget is a thing. Animating hair is not only one of the hardest things to do in special effects. It's also one of the most costly. I get it. But I'm saying if the rest of the show is going to be as mediocre as that was and you can't have the character be the character, don't Don't even bother to do it. Just let it die and move on to something else. Between the launching of the books not going well, the inception of them into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't jive for everybody, and now this being like almost an incomplete failure. It, it just it, it just feels like they keep stumbling on this stuff. And it's too bad, because like the Fantastic Four, there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. You know, And I don't know why this one is struggling to gel so much. And I don't understand why the Fantastic Four is such a struggle, you know, it, but they seem to be. So clearly the time is not right. Yeah, it is on all these things. Generally speaking, when they fail is not trusting in the source material that was successful. Right. Yeah. Fantastic Four is cool enough. 
Right. If yeah, but it, it is in in, in a different way. In that, as we've always discussed, Marvel movies have been a little bit of everything. The one thing they haven't done is a sort of family adventure. So they have a property that could be that and they wouldn't do it. Yeah. In the case of the Inhumans here, in essence, the story you should try try to be telling, which they're looking at a little bit, but not enough. This is a Game of Thrones sort of story that you could tell royal intrigue and use Maximus properly the alpha primitives correctly, all that sort of stuff would make a great story, not splitting everyone out, putting them somewhere else and having a five pronged story that goes nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it felt like very rushed, you know, like they rushed to the climax to get like, to get to the climax of the story in the second episode. And then it didn't pay off. So you're left with a rush to nothing. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen the third episode. Um, I probably will watch it. Just because for the sake of being able to talk about it and know about it and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And hey, look, Could if you better. enjoyed it, that's awesome. But I will say this. Speaking of mutants, you were talking about them before. We also got to check out The Gifted that premiered last week. And super, super dug that. That was really cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. It had a lot of energy. It, it flowed really well. It was internally consistent, as far as I could tell. Or certainly, it, it didn't throw me out of my willing suspension of disbelief. Mm -hmm. um, really it, good ca uh, character chemistry, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I yeah, I thought the actors really interacted well. I Suki. thought, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honest to God, I was worried about that man. But uh, uh... <laughs> my husband does that to me. He goes, Jessica, all the time, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> because how could you not? Well, this is it, right? I'm yeah, fortunate yeah. in that Bronwyn does not lend itself well. <laughs> Bronwyn. <laughs> you could do it. Okay. But, but uh, no, I, I, I really dug it. Like, I was, I was so tense at the end of the watching. I was, like, gripping onto Steve's leg. Like, <gasps> you know? So it, it was certainly successful viewing for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm totally down to watch more of that. That was really cool. The effects were neat. It started off, like, it... it went into high gear right away. Like the, the minute it started, it was already going. And uh, yeah, I, I, really, really cool. Excited, really excited for that one. So uh, let's move it along. Who's, what the hell is that? Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur? Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur? Yeah, no, no, I see that. Somebody's playing with the thing and it's like no. three, 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 question mark, I, question mark. Who's no, that? I just put the question marks in because I don't know what happened there. I looked at it. I just looked at it. I was like, it does look uh, like somebody leaned on the keyboard. Someone, wow. <laughs> Who is that? Is that? It says Bob Ryer is. By the... <laughs> Maybe I did that. I didn't know that Brian K. Vaughan had a new book out called Papo Girls. <laughs> <laughs> no, I put the question marks because girls, and my three, little three, cursor's three, three, there because I'm like, uh, did something happen? Amazing. That's what, that, that was me putting question marks. Uh. Three. <laughs> All right. I want to read that book. You're getting your your editing privileges taken away. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bob. Three. Tell us about. First of all, did you see the Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur cosplay at the show? Well, I I saw a number of them. My favorite I saw on Sunday. I was running to get to Artist Alley. Actually, no, I was heading out the other way for the panel, the roundtable. It was uh, two, a dad and two daughters, one dressed as probably 12 and 8, something like that, 
one as sort of civilian Lunella, one as Moon Girl, and he was Devil Dinosaur. Oh, really? Uh, yes. That's awesome. And I said, I hope you're going up to see Brandon Montclair and Amy Rita. They're upstairs. Oh, yeah, we just came from them. They were they were great. Whatever. Who, who, which one did you see? I I, I saw one have... online where, I mean, the, the little girl could not have been any more than three or four years old. And I guess the parent was dressed in one of those like orange uh, velociraptor or dinosaur costume that you see uh-huh. on the internet, but wow. they had colored the entire thing red. Red. Nice. I'll have to look for it that. It was brilliant. It was positively I brilliant. I didn't see that, but I'm sad now because I wish I had a picture. Uh, of Amy Reader posted a photo of like a selfie with, with the Okay. Girl. That's great. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So tell us about uh, number 23. In the book, as opposed to at the cosplay, it is... Part 5 of 5 of Girl Moon, subtitled, There's More Than One Way to Skin Schrodinger's Cat. (laughs) Now, we basically open on the the ending of one part of the story, which is the story of Ego the Living Planet and his daughter, Illa, the Moon Girl, or Girl Moon, however you want to look at it, because she's sort of both in this issue. And Lunella, as you pointed out early on, Steve, as we all agreed, she was kind of sassy and bratty early on but brandon monclair and amy reader who's now uh off the book for now and natasha busos have grown lunella as this book has gone on as she's experienced more and become more centered in who she is in the heroic world she's now she's fixed the relationship between ego the living planet and his daughter the girl moon in a just absolutely charming way you, you there's Girl Moon, she's actually crying as as this is all coming together. And yes, and then Lunella sort of strides off as like, you know, bingo, back to business. Let's get going before that girl changes her mind again and keeps us kidnapped. There's a lot to do. And she's talking to to Devil. And I have to get home. Both of us need to get home. Come on, this isn't going to be easy. I'll say nothing else. Except that this is its one of those really special sort of issues, and it generated a lot of really deep emotions in these offices. For what many people would see as, as a kid's book, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur has delivered, I mean, powerful, positive messages, genuine feels. I heard that word mentioned today. <laughs> and All the feels. All the and, feels. And none, none so much as in this very special story. I can't wait to get caught up on that. Ooh, keep your Kleenex handy. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> no, you want to talk about being independent and independent heroes? We're moving into the indie books. <laughs> Yay! I've done it again. <laughs> That's why you're the host, honey. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how much longer that lasts. All right. <laughs> so, Bloodstained no, Volume 3. You got to read this. I didn't. Because I didn't budget my time. <laughs> to well, be fair, I have been on vacation. Yes, you have. Go much ahead, much needed. Um, Bob, did you get a chance to read this one too? Yes, I did. I um, I actually, it's in the notes. I actually put it in there. It wasn't, it was and it wasn't, and now it is. I definitely Yay. did. I read it I read it on the train. Oh, fantastic. It was such a good read. Yes. I, uh, I look forward to this one. I've been, uh, well, anything by the, the Sage family, I, I love their art styles. I love both of them so much. So anything that 
comes out by them, I'm, I'm pretty excited to read right away. But um, in this book, particularly like in Bloodstain in general, but in, in number three, especially uh, one of the things that I noticed that I love so much is um, her use of, of blurring the background with a sharp focus on the foreground. Mm-hmm. I find that adds a really interesting depth for me. So I really love that. It's a cool visual that's really sort of unique uh, in application um, to her style. And of course, for me, like I'm such a nerd, right? The uh, the lab setting is, is a real draw <laughs> for me. <laughs> I, I hope have... your lab is cleaner than Vlad's. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot cleaner. Um, oh, yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. I have to turn my brain off quite a bit reading stuff with him in his lab because it's painful and makes me twitchy. Um, (laughs) I I think about all of the things that, that I would do differently that would, Oh, I don't think I'd let him in my lab. I don't think I'd let him anywhere near my lab, (laughs) but, uh, but her, I would, she cleaned it up nicely. Um, For those of you that don't know, Bronwyn is a real life scientist. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I read this one and I look and I look around the lab and I'm like, okay, glassware. Oh no, oh no, oh no. When they finally turn the lights on in the lab and I saw the state of it, I'm like, That's... no, 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 no. That can't be true. <laughs> There's food in the lab. No. <laughs> yes. Rotting, rotting ch- takeout. Oh yeah. God, I died. I died inside. It was amazing though, because to get that kind of response when you're reading a book is so great, right? You're so, you know, viscerally involved in the reading that it's making you like have all of these, like I was twitching. I was actually, I was reading and I was, you know, when you're trying to avoid something awkward on television or something, and you're like hiding your face and things like that. You can't hide your face from a book, you know, (laughs) it doesn't work very well. Well, That's one of the great things about all three volumes so far, but in this one particularly because you know, Elliot Torres is trying to settle in yeah. to, to this land that's set in a spooky haunted house. And this position with, 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 with Dr. Stein, he's, is he a mad scientist? We don't really know yet. So it's all kind of creepy. He's trying to adjust too to this new person in this house. And so it, it's that comedy of manners, but Linda's doing such a great job because horror comedy is is a really hard genre to get right. Yes. And the combination of the expressiveness of her artwork, as well as the, the, the as you're saying about what she does cinematically with, with the different differing focuses, the comedy lands, but it's comedy from the characters and the situation. None of it seems forced. It's all natural. And it makes it, just as easy to laugh as to cringe and be scared when even if it's something as simple as she's walking down the stairs and make sure we, okay, let's cut to a close up of her shoes and the heels clicking on the stairs. And yep. right away you start to back away. Oh no, don't go down the stairs. Please don't go down the stairs. Oh, it's the best sort of, best sort of creepiness. Exactly. It's fantastic. And I love that we got to know the characters a little bit better. Yes. This time, especially Dr. Stein, you know, to get a little bit of insight into his brain. And I just, I like that, that this first three volume arc has been about character development and setting the scene. And so it's been very atmospheric and you kind of, we're in it now, you know, I'm looking forward to the next arc where we're kind of, we're going to get a little bit more into the meat of the story. And it's funny to think three volumes in and you're, you're still in introductions, but it's, it's full on worth it because the introductions Mm -hmm. are so brilliantly done. Actually, there's even a panel of Dr. Stein going, worth it. 
Yeah. In, in the back yeah, totally. Matter. Yeah. <laughs> with blood dripping all off him. Which are just as likely to be from his chicken feet. Yeah. Dipped his... in ketchup, fried, and then dipped in ketchup again. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> that's his take. That's his takeout. Oh. Horror comedy at its yeah. finest. Yeah. In the lab. Ew, ew. Yeah. What does yeah. that even Body. taste like? Ketchup, Ugh. I'm assuming. Ketchup, yeah. Ugh. Ketchup and grease. Yeah, exactly. We're, it looks like we're also getting some crossover guest stars in the next volume. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, exciting. Because the the gaming universes of Sunstone and Bloodstain collide, it looks like. Hell yes. Can't right. wait. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Okay. Who is Titan? What are you doing on our show? <laughs> and who's actually read Captain Chronos Vampire Hunter number one? <laughs> I have. I have and I'll, and I will I will tell you why. I thought Look, we, we got we, like a like a new dog or something on the show. Bob my the dogs Titan are now in show mind. <laughs> Titan, Titan here, Titan. No, no, we 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 Titan in all our minds. Yes. We we have we have talked about some Titan books here and there. They're uh, British publishers. They do the the hard crime books. We talked about the assignment, the Walter Hill book, some while back. And Captain Kronos is based on a Hammer film, one of the later ones from 1972. That was meant to be the start of a little bit of a franchise. Brian Clemens, who was the Writer, producer, director on the Avengers on television. Ooh. Right. Went to to Hammer as they were they had sort of changed up some upper management and they were looking for something. And he came up with this story about this sort of superhero vampire hunter who had actually been bitten by a vampire before. Sort of the Witchfinder General, if you remember that film, that idea of a fella going town to town trying to root out evil. Mm-hmm. And he has a hunchback assistant named Professor Grost <laughs> and comes into this town and discovers a young gypsy woman who's actually in the, the stocks and she's being pelted with fruit because she dared to dance on a Sunday. Nerve. Right. So he frees her and she, you know, at the end of the movie, Carla, her name is, she stays behind and they ride off. It's, it's a great stylish fun film. Uh, it's her, uh, Horse Jansen stars as Captain Kronos, and Carla is, because this is the way they used to say it in the sci-fi horror magazines today, the beauteous Carolyn Monroe, who was in The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh, okay. And the Joe Spell movie Maniac and Star Crash in the 80s. And I met her at a chiller con many, many years ago, and just an absolutely lovely woman. And the book adds her to the team, and we go from basically the end of the movie, which you should all check out, into this story. So we have Dan Abnett writing, Tom Mandrake, veteran illustrator for years and years, in a his style is sort of a combination of Neil Adams, John Buscema, and Gene Colan. And if you're telling a horror story, to have those three influences in the artwork, it is muscular and dark and scary, and the faces and the expressions are amazing. It is a it is a really fun book. If you're a fan of the movie, 
You need to pick this up. If you've never seen the movie, you may want to wait for a trade or a sample it in the store. I had a great time. The characterizations really stand out. The illustrations are on model to the to the real people, which is so hard to do with any of these sort of licensed works. It never quite works out. You're looking at, is that supposed to be so-and-so and it isn't? Fun book. So Titan, Captain Kronos, number, Vampire Hunter number one. It's 104. Cool. That's awesome. See? Yeah. I know a little bit of that. I remember a little bit of that movie. Seen, where have I seen that before? Have I seen that at your place? I may have thrown it on actually one night just to. I think you did. Yeah. yeah. I think you did. Very, I think. Yeah. Very ahead, stylish. Yeah, it's very stylish. You know, set in the 17th, 18th centuries. It's it's that sort of period. Lovely. I think that might have been on, like, in the background at a party that I went to once. But it's some pretty weird parties, man. Yeah. <laughs> Surprising no one. <laughs> I've seen some things and some stuff. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, oh, so, oh, 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 okay, okay. I gotta, before we get to your book, I have to make declaration, all right? Okay. Both Bronwyn and myself, we both read Valiant Titles this past week. Whoa. I know. I said at the beginning of the year that I would read more Valiant and seeing as I've read two volumes of something and Bronwyn has read one and change, uh, we're in the green. So. Absolutely. And you, you picked a good one. Oh, yeah. And it was a recommendation from Steve because he's read it. And uh, so, you know, I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm on vacation. I'm going to do some extra reading. I'm going to pick some stuff that I can get sink my teeth into, you know? So mm-hmm. The Death Defying Dr. Mirage. And it was a really good one. So I, I read the first volume, and I'm several issues into the second now. Um, so this was, what, written by uh, Jen Van Meter, uh, artist Roberto De La Torre, uh, colorist David Barron. And the colorist especially I'd like to focus on, because the color was really interesting in this book. Um, and I, that is something that I do focus on. So, you know, spoiler alert. But... Um, I love color. I'm really drawn to it. And I really like the use of color in this medium. So for me, it was really fascinating to watch how color really expressed the emotional state of the characters in the books, um, especially Dr. Mirage. Um, So when she was kind of in the emotionally distraught scenes, like group therapy, things like that, it was very washed out, you know, because she was like feeling very drained and, Mm -hmm. and exposed. And when her emotions were more heightened and intense, like if she was angry or something like that, the colors were more intense as well. So like to the point where they didn't necessarily have any bearing to, um, accuracy of the environment or anything like that. And were very much tied specifically with the emotion and the emotional content of the, of the story. So like the full sky being red when she's angry with her agent or something like that, you know? Mm So, um, looking back at that, there's a lot to unpack in how the story is presented, not just the story itself, which I thought was really lovely. What is the the story a little bit, like a little summary? Ah, good call. (laughs) I go right into not spoiling things, so I don't even sort of talk about (laughs) the story itself. Blanket rule summaries suck, because you're always afraid of what you're going to ruin for people that haven't read it, and sometimes I don't know what to do with them either. Little podcasting thing for you. Summaries are the worst. The worst. They're so terrible. 
but just so like awful. just a little bit, like a little, <laughs> like a little, little bit of what it's about. Teaser trailer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There you go. Okay, so um, for the death-defying Doctor Mirage teaser trailer, um, this is kind of an adventure story wrapped around the heart of a touching love story. So, and it's all done with ghosts. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's really fascinating. There's like stories and stories and stories inside of all of these layers. Um, there's a little bit of uh, Lara Croft, you know, there's, there's, there's very much of an adventure story here where Dr. Mirage is um, kind of a paranormal investigator and she's been called to a pretty sketchy but very rich and powerful kind of guy, his estate to, um, well, I don't even know. I'm not sure she even knows, but she needs the money. <laughs> so yeah. she's like, I'm going to, you know, okay, maybe I will go and do this because I could use the 10000 just to go and consult um, and to just find out what he even wants. And the story kind of progresses from there as she gets a little bit more sketched out as he says, oh, yes, I was this innocent person brought into this sketchy situation. And she's like, uh-huh, yes, you're coming across as very innocent, my ass. But uh-huh. <laughs> um, but at the heart of it, she is someone who has been exposed to the paranormal her whole life um, as somebody who's been able to see and interact with the ghost world or the spirit world. And so as someone who has this special ability has always been kind of connected to the paranormal. Um, but she's also grieving because she has lost her husband and her partner in crime, her in paranormal investigation. And as someone who's always been connected to ghosts, it's especially heartbreaking because she has not been able to find or access him. And so when she lost him, she lost him completely. And so there's, there's a lot of grief associated um, at the beginning of this book. Um, and so the story progresses from there as she is trying to find her way through her grief and find her way through this adventure that's thrown her way um, and see if she can work her way through both at the same time. Um, I did find a little bit that I struggled with feeling a little bit lost and unfamiliar with the characters in the universe because I gather the Valiant universe is a very tight-knit thing where everything kind of uh, interacts yeah. and so that I didn't know anything about these characters or anything about the universe they're in um, felt like a little bit of, of a handicap at first but only for a very short period of time before I I've picked it all up <laughs> you know there was enough exposition and enough backstory introduced that I was able to pick up the story and what I didn't know it didn't matter because the characters were presented in such a wonderful way that I cared deeply about what happened to them and, and how their adventure worked out. And I really wanted them to win. <laughs> um, so while I felt thrown into an established story at first, it really picked me up and uh, that feeling faded pretty quickly. So I, uh, I was very satisfied by the end of the book and I'm really, really into the second one. So. Excellent. Yeah. I read the, fir- I, yeah, I read the first one too, way back when we were all getting ready to read some Valiant and I actually do own the trade. I, I love the first trade and somehow never got to the rest of it. So that's a bad thing. So now Bronwyn, you teased it perfectly. I'm going to have to read the second trade. I, I would definitely recommend it. I'm yeah. enjoying it so far. Yeah. Now, as far as like the Valiant universe goes, 
I've had a lot of people tell me that it's probably one of the most, like you said, tight knit. Mm-hmm. What is happening back there? My phone, <laughs> it's my phone answering machine, which I didn't shut off. It's exciting. It sounds like a robot is the exercise coming This show, I swear to God. I'm not editing that out. Don't edit it out. It's so I'm great. Not, I'm, I'm crying. I'm editing anything I'm out. I'm crying right now. I'm so done. I'm so well, done. What, what Steve knows because he's called. He's called here. What when the when the phone rings, it rings. It, it rings. It rings. Someone's leaving a message at nine, at ten thirty. <laughs> when it, when the phone when the phone rings the third time or fourth time, the message picks up. It rings again, and it's a clip from the Marx Brothers movie Duck Soup as Chico Marx answers the phone for Groucho. That's amazing. Yeah. So people sometimes are very flummoxed. I don't know who that woman is is leaving a message on my phone at this time of night. But I'm, I'm sure you got ladies uh, leaving phones. Yeah, yeah. I, oh. I think it was something oh, about I being. Talk with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's my message, actually. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hello, hello. No, I'm sorry. He's not in. And then Chico God. turns to Groucho. I uh, uh, that was for you. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not in. I want to have a long talk with you. If I'm not Beep. back. Next week, listeners, I just, I quit. Um, Yeah, like I said, people have told me before that Valiant is one of the better comic book universes, that it is very tight-knit, and if you stick with it for a little while, you can can get a really good grasp on, like, its main players and how everything kind of works and moves around one another. Um, I'll bring up, I'll bring that up again in just a minute when we, uh, get to a different Valiant book. But uh, Bob and Jess, why don't you tell us about Elsewhere number three? Well, I'm just continuing to get the biggest kick out of this What If series. I'm a bug for for Amelia Earhart. You've heard me going down the conspiracy rabbit hole some some weeks back. And this issue, Amelia uh, and her crew, Court D.B. Cooper... They're all on the run from the Banthi, who we saw at the very end of last issue there, flesh-eating giant insects. That's never a thing you want chasing you around. They end up up taking refuge, and it turns out it's a Nazi U-boat. What? Yeah, in the middle of the jungle. There's a Nazi U-boat. Yeah. So they took a left in Albuquerque. Absolutely. And... When they emerge from hiding, the storylines begin to collide a bit as the they were separated from the rest of their group. There's now, sadly, one of them has been, uh, spoiler it, bumped off, would be the old-fashioned word, by Lord Cragen, who wants to make a deal. He'll trade all the missing people for Amelia. So delayed entry. Delayed, yes. I I think we're moving forward. We're getting some interesting new little developments. It is certainly a slow burn build, but I'm finding it satisfying. Jess, how about you? Well, Bob, I think you're being very nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So I like the book. I do, and it. I just felt this issue was like just filler. 
you know, it was just a little too slow for me. Like, yes, they do like allude to that. There was other humans there before her, but like, that's kind of it that happens. And there's none, there's no dragon things in it. Okay. I was promised dragons, damn it. Listen, if there are no dragons, right. I'm out. <laughs> you follow me on Instagram, you'll see my picture of me riding a dragon at Comic Con, and it is, I am living. I am living it's, on that dragon. It's kind it's of amazing. Hysterical. Okay, I am living on that dragon. So there were no dragon things or whatever they are in this book. I don't know. I'm going to call them dragons because that's what I want them to be. Um, and I just, yeah, I, you know, you do find out that, you know, there were humans before her, and that's. Uh, and that's kind of cool, but I think it's more of a setup, you know, issue. There was not, mm-hmm. it, you know, I thought maybe the bugs would be a little bit more of a thing. And they were just like, oh, yeah, those are bugs that eat your face. Like, we're good. <laughs> like, you know, that's kind of the way they left it. So I was I was kind of on, you know, uh, I don't know. I wasn't that excited about this one. I was a little sad, to be honest. Aww. She didn't like it, Bob. I didn't like it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm we're sorry, here. Bob. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, Bob. <laughs> you don't have to be sorry. I know, I hate when I don't get her. Bob, it makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> Next issue will be better, I promise. Yeah, that's what like I, I, well, like I, I have something reading. to do with it. Yes, I will, we'll yeah. have to we'll have to talk to the creative team. Yeah. You know, yeah, we'll have you to know, talk to, a, like, to Jay Ferber and <laughs> The art's still good and it's still you know what I mean? I just there was I, I just thought maybe the bugs would have anything to do with anything and it was just kinda like, Yeah, you know, they just eat your face, we're good. Like, I think like you we'll, need to issue like, a complaint. Was, yeah, I am. Yes. This is my official complaint. Okay, I thought there would be more with the bugs. I, I wish to bugs? register a complaint. <laughs> bugs, I, I'm damn registering it. a complaint against the bugs and the lack of dragons. Okay, you can't put dragons Reasonable. on the cover of a book and not put them inside. Just that's saying. A completely that's a true valid story. That, that's actually a true story. Because they, yeah. they are. They look. They are on the cover of issue three. At least the cover I have in my hand. Yeah. No. They're that's what two I'm big dragon things and sort of like a giant stone tower Ditko University kind of thing with the electorate in the middle and there's no flying in this issue anywhere to be seen. Like the yeah, that's not cool. TV things that like get you with the outside and then you bring it home and you're like, why did I buy this? That's kind yes. of what I felt this week. I was like, there are dragons on this cover. No dragons in the book. So I was, you know, like I said, it wasn't bad. I shouldn't say that. It, it wasn't, it was not Look bad. what you wanted. Man, that's almost it was like just watching much... a show about a superhero and all he does is get his ass kicked. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. And he just kind of, it just was just a lot of setup. And I hope like the next, you know what I mean? Maybe, you know, there are some books that read much better in trade because there are those issues that are, that they need mm-hmm. for setup. And this may be one of those, you know, so I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. I will continue on with it. It's still on my pull list and we will still continue with it next yeah, week. We'll you know? argue again next month. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We'll argue again, you know, and tune in. Week. Yes. <laughs> Round four. <laughs> Excellent. Listen, I was all about it up until this book. Okay? I know. All about it. Just didn't do it for me. I'm sorry. I feel bad. <laughs> all righty. Okay. Where are going, we now? Going back to the Valiant universe. I want to talk about Generation Zero. Fred Van Lente. Okay. Keisha's boyfriend, Steven, is getting too close to a secret that's tied to his technologically genderfied city. Maybe a bit too close. Yep, definitely too close because Steven ends up dead. Oops. <laughs> leaving, too close. Too close. Yeah, leaving Keisha distraught and looking for answers uh, to her to his mysterious demise. Drugs, alcohol? Nope, not Steven. <laughs> it's not how he rolls. So she figures something is up. 
she feels helpless and reaches out to a group online known as Generation Zero. Generation Zero is a group of Psyots. For those of you who don't know, I had to be reminded upon reading this book, that uh, Psyots are Valiant's solution to mutants in the Marvel Universe. So, at least that's my estimation. Anyone? Anyone want to correct yeah, me? I, I, no, no, I think you're good on yeah. that. So, they've got abilities... They're split off into teams and shit. Like it's it's all good. It's if if you understand mutants, you understand science. So, uh, they show up to uncover uh, the truth with Keisha about her boyfriend's death, and, as well as the bizarre ways in which her city is changing. The deal is this: her city was going under. It was really really terrible. And then this dude kind of moved in and like through technology at them and made them one of the most advanced cities, you know, in and around the area and stuff like that. And like everything's free of charge and you can be, you using like hollow tech to do things and whatnot. And something just doesn't add up. And what you find out is that people in the town or in the city rather are being taken for granted. And so generation zero shows up. And it's a bunch of really cool characters, and I'm actually really interested in reading more about them. So if you're listening to the show and you're aware of who they are and you know of more books that they're in, get in touch with me and let me know. I'm going to rattle off a quick little list of these characters so you know who I'm talking about. I'm going to break out my trusty iPad here that I'm <laughs> opening very typically right now. <laughs> it's not even brought up on the right page. Oh, my God. What is happening? All right. <laughs> Second of night. Second of night. Kronos. He's got photon blasts and stuff. Telic, she can see the future. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, Animalia. She can change into any animal that she wants, kind of like Green Lantern <laughs> style. And she prefers cartoon characters, which is really, really cool. Uh, Cloud is just all up in your brain. And it's, it's really rude, but she's really nice about it. And she loves everybody. She's kind of like the Luna Lovegood of the Aww. of the group. Um and then you have my favorite character in the group, Gamet, the super fetus. Gametes. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. No problem. It's a scientific term. Is it? Yeah. What does it mean? Uh, it's uh, to do with cells. Ah. <laughs> so the mother is in a coma and the baby the fetus inside is the psyot and it's kind of moving the mother around like a like a human what? marionette kind of thing so that the the group of kids have an adult figure she's a jaeger to stand yeah it's <laughs> it's hysterical she's got this kind of like vacant demonic smile on her face wherever she goes and it never changes so people get really nervous around her. It makes for some really good moments, like dialogue-wise and stuff like that. I um, can see this as a trauma movie, can't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's actually, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you have the Zygos twins, who are they have a a connection to one another. And when they hold hands, it's amplified and, and things like that. They're super smart. They're kind of like the uh, Franklin and Valeria uh, of the group, if you will, uh, with a little bit of the uh, Cuckoo Sisters mixed in. So... Anyway, uh, they show up, and they're going to help Keisha solve the mystery and everything. But the whole thing is really wild. It's got a little bit of Stranger Things in there in that, like, weird manipulative things are happening to the town, and only certain people can see what's going on. You have to be of, like, a certain age and a certain mindset to not be clouded and to not have the products that are flowing around the city affect you 
so that you're on so that you're not aware of kind of the tragedies that are happening around the corner uh-huh. and it's neat it's got a really good energy about it the characters are a lot of fun uh i was not intimidated by it being set in the valiant universe like I said, if you understand what Psyots are and kind of know who Harada and his projects are, you're good to go. Uh, he's kind of like a like a Professor X type character oh, okay. in the universe, and um, yeah, I I, I really I, I had a lot of fun with it, and I actually um, along with this, I picked up Secret Weapons as well, so I'm gonna read that too. Wow! And yeah, I just you know I'm I'm dipping my toe in the Valiant water, so to speak. And uh, I really, I really loved it. It was, it was cool. I, I saw a preview of it in in uh, Comicsology, and it was just like tons of dancing unicorns and robots and people using uh, VR tech to learn at school while playing video games on their lunch hour and stuff like that. And I was like, oh man, this looks, this looks like uh, video game high school. Some weird <laughs> show that I, I used to watch. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. So. Death Defying Dr. Mirage and Generation Zero and Bloodshot Reborn are now three Valiant properties that I really, really like. What has happened to the show, Valiant and Titan, in the same episode? I don't know. <laughs> good thing. Hey, good I really like that book, War Mother, as well. You know, yes, I thought that was pretty yeah. good as well. So yes, it was. I will pick up the next issue of that. I'll hey. be talking about that when it comes out. What's going on? What is happening on this podcast? Yeah. It's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's move on down the line. Ronwin, you read House of Penance, one of my favorite books from last year. What did you think of it? I I really enjoyed it. Um, it's funny the uh, it it seemed like a very simple story at first. You know, it was um, again a story about grief and uh, a story about. Well, penance, clearly, because of the title. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm not and a, and a house. with that one. And a house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we're not, we're not going too far out on a limb with that one. Um, so the, the Coles Notes version being, you know, um, a woman loses her, her husband and child. And um, in her, her grief, and it's, it's overwhelming grief. So she loses her mind a little bit in her grief. And... Um, in trying to battle through it, her her way of doing that is to build a new house and to have it continuously be in a state of construction. And by continuously, I mean literally continuously, so that there's never not a sound of construction. So there's constantly banging or blamming, as they say in the book, happening. Um, shifts are 24-7. There's construction to the point where it's lunacy there are doors that go nowhere there are staircases that go nowhere there's no rhyme or reason that anyone can figure out to the makeup of the house she's the only one who seems to have any kind of idea of the map of the house um vagrants come looking for work she interviews every single person and if they are willing to give up their guns she will put them to work Hmm. so in that sense, it seems like a fairly simple story. But the more I thought about it afterwards, like it's one of those stories that stuck with me. Um, it stuck with me for any number of reasons. It stuck with me because it has a very unique art style. So the visual of it kind of stayed in my head. Um, it wasn't even something that was particularly my aesthetic 
at first. Um, sorry, Ian Bertram was <laughs> the artist. <laughs> um, but it really, it suited the, the story, I think. And it really grew on me as I got into the story. Um, it's almost like a woodcut. Yeah. And it's, it, there's some very exaggerated features in the face that, you know, so there's wide eyes and pointed chins and, um, it's hard to describe even it's something I, I would really recommend taking a look at it and then even if it does if it appeals to you wonderful and if it doesn't appeal to you give it a shot because it definitely grows on you um but it's like an unfolding tale of mental illness and overwhelming grief and a very very unusual coping mechanism <laughs> um but it definitely seemed like there was more and more to unpack as the more i thought about it so she was a widow of somebody who was part of the Winchester family, the Winchester family of Winchester guns fame. Um, and while he died of, I think, consumption or something like that, an illness anyway, not of gun-related violence, um, she obs became obsessed with the guns and the source of the family wealth coming from guns. And so... She collected everyone's guns and began melting them down. And through this book, it sort of started to kind of come back to me as I was thinking about this. That there's really quite a lot of social commentary through, the, through all of the issues in how that's handled and how there is a little bit of gun violence in here and how it's handled and how it's talked about and how the interaction between the characters, between her and the people who come to help build the house... And th these are rough, gruff men who were used to having guns in their, you know, in their hands at all times, you know, and they give, they give it up for her because they feel this connection with her or because they need the work or for whatever reason drives them to be in this place where they're, they're helping her build this crazy house. Um, and so not only is she collecting guns, she seems to be kind of collecting marginalized men and offering them a safe place and a share of her penance and therapy uh, but never any pity or absolution that's not something you're going to find here you know she everyone has to kind of come to that their own self <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and the last thing that I found really interesting was sort of the main point of connection between her and one of the main vagrants whose point of view you also get um, is it a shared delusion of the encroaching blood and the, the idea of the blood on the hands it's very Shakespearean you know, Hamlet and, yes. um, you know, out, out damn spot. <laughs> so the more I thought about this book, the more that kind of lingered in my head and all of these different layers being part of it. And it's not a long, it's not a long book. Like there's only what, five issues, five or six issues. Like it's really, there's a lot in there. I think you might be right. I think it's six. I think it's six too. So for something that only lasts six issues, it's, there's a lot of layers. I have a theory. Ooh, what's your theory, honey? I, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, was that unprofessional? No, 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 it's <laughs> I, um, you mentioned the artwork and, and the, the blamming that the constant, constant hammering sounds like guns going off. Yes. And guns, almost like guns going off in her head that as much as she's melting down the guns and getting rid of the guns that they're kind of still there. Mm -hmm. And that repetitive nature in the artwork that regardless of you 
reading at times some pretty dense dialogue and some really, you know, emotional conversations, that blaming is still in the background of that panel. You're constantly exposed to it. And I think that it, like you said, like it stuck with you. I think anybody that reads that book, that if you're not thinking about it afterwards for a little while, you might have read it wrong. Yeah. Because it, in my, in my, in my experience, I've read it twice now that that was really something that stuck with me was that constant, constant hammering, just like the the madness was sinking into her and kind of the Lovecraftian uh, way that the house was being taken over by the madness. It's just so, so well done. Yeah, but even then, the thing that stuck th- to me through all of that and through the madness and through the encroaching mental illness, through the encroaching sort of... You could feel the end coming. There was some sort of climax coming. Um, And I won't spoil what it is because it's very satisfying. Um, There's definitely connection. She's making connections with with herself, with her past, with her grief, um, with all of these marginalized men that she's collecting into her shifts of people who are working on this house. Um, And she, she... while not offering any absolution to anyone, as long as there's no violence in her house or any further blood on your hands, you can find a place and work with her. You know, and you get your, your food and your, your honest work. And it, it, it's a really, really interesting story. It's, it's worth reading and there's a lot there. So it's it really worth reading is. more than once. And Come for the work, stay for the penance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this this is, like, actually on my bucket list to go, because, you know, it's a real house. Yeah. Yeah, and you can go, I that's, like, my bucket list. Like, before, I, I had really been into this before I even read the book. Uh, I read it when it came out. I read it in single issues, and I was so happy with how the book came out because I was really into it to begin with. Like, that's, like, bucket list for me. Like, I want to go there and see this house because it's just amazing, and I thought they did a really great job of really like kind of explaining like why and and how and and you know what I mean and the things that made her do what she did because there's so much mystery you know it's the Winchester mystery house you know (laughs) there's so much mystery behind it I thought they just did a phenomenal job with it and it only made me want to go see this house more (laughs) you know it just made it I was like yeah "Yeah, now I'm I'm going one day I'm going you know it's it's far it's California so for me that's yeah, yeah, it's in California. So, you know, you can't, like, for me, it's not just like, oh, let's take a road trip. I wish it was, uh, but one day I will get there. I will oh, get yeah. There. It's, yeah, yeah it, it's beautifully sensitively, I think, handled. Yes. It, it's it's really a nice exploration of grief and mental illness and support. Yeah. I know, I think they did a great job with it. And like you said, see, that to me, that that is my art style. Like, I love, like, very unique, you know, kind of its own thing. And I think, I think even if it's not like you said like give it a chance because if, even if it's not your your personal style uh you know that you enjoy in art i think it really lends well to the story itself i think it there goes is. very well with telling you know the story that they're telling yeah it was perfect indeed now i want to go to the house don't you <laughs> i really do it's, it's been on my bucket list that's for a long time <laughs> i've been to in california one of the most haunted houses in america if not one if not the most haunted house i think it might have been the second i don't know but the White house no <laughs> <laughs> but um all right 
We got too many comics <laughs> left on this list. I might ask someone to sacrifice something, but before we do that, um, oh, Bronwyn is volunteering. You have been voted off the island. <laughs> voted off you, island. you are the weakest link. <laughs> All right. Thank you, thank you very much. I appreciate it because I do want to get to some listener questions. So, Jess, tell me why. If I have every issue of I Hate Fairyland, and I do, why do I need I Hate Fairyland special edition that I did not buy? Sell me on it. Okay. Uh, so, you know, it's the free comic book day. I'm just going to do this briefly. Like I told you, I just wanted to talk about it quickly. It's the, the free comic book day where she goes through all of image land and, and pretty much kills everybody and pushes Rick into yeah. a pile of zombies. And, and, you know, she just, she just messes everybody up like she normally does. And it's absolutely fantastic. But at the very end, they added in this page and I actually wrote down one of my, one of my, uh, things it says it's so meta that it hurts okay <laughs> because he goes through and it's just like scotty young drawing himself like answering the phone to all of these people like who did not get in the last i hate fairyland you know fa you know where she goes through image and it, that's all it is and it's just kind of really comical it's just funny it's very funny it's very meta you know like one of the first people he talks to is uh what you call and it's just it's Jeff Lemire and he's like yeah you know you only put a little tiny like yeah I'm in like the background like what are you talking about like I want to be in the next one and that's pretty much what it goes through it's got like Chip Zerdisky just like sitting naked in a chair <laughs> you know? like it's just so ridiculous and so everything you want it to be like him smashing his head against like his his uh, drawing board and just like smashing it like uh, you know, and it's all little caricatures of, of all the image artists, and that's what he added into it, and that's what made it great, and you should have got it. <laughs> I can't, I'm go, sitting Steve. here. I'm looking at I'm looking at Bronwyn. She's never read I Hate Fairyland. Oh, God, read I Hate Fairyland. All right, Please. it's queued up. Do it for me. <laughs> okay, it. you got it. <laughs> Thank oh you. Oh, my God. That's your I next, know you, that's your next. you said you read okay. Dark Arc, so well, I did, me. and it trust was so awesome. much fun. Yeah. Oh, good. Anyway, but yeah. Uh, good job, Jess, because I don't have the free comic book day issue. No? No, I couldn't make it down to the shop. Aww, and they didn't save one I, for me, the bastards. Way I mail it to you. What are you talking about? Like, come on now. I'm your pal. I'll mail things. <laughs> <laughs> We're friends now. We're friends now. I'll mail you. You got someone on the inside. Yo, man, I got what you need. You can't get Guys in the store won't even put stuff in my bag for me. <laughs> Give you special prices, man. Come on. Mishigas is the only. So. Does Mishigas get a robot thing? Mishigas. Oh my God. Let me tell you something. When you. I was just about to bring this up. We're having some major uh, audio issues like throughout this entire podcast. Again, this is probably the third time I'm saying it. I apologize for all the issues that we've been running into these past few weeks. It's only it's only when I record because I'm the worst. But Bob, when you said the word Michigas, uh -huh. you went full robot on our end, <laughs> and it got like stretched out into eternity. It was wow. the best thing I have yeah. ever heard. It wasn't <laughs> so I can't hear this. <laughs> it was like. Mm -hmm. 
amazing. I really actually hope that that one made it into the recording because I fucking hope oh not. my god, it was <laughs> really freaking so brilliant. I couldn't hear this. I'm we I had to mute the microphone because we were cackling with laughter. <laughs> it was so bad, but it was so good. Oh my god, that is the best thing I have ever heard. Seriously. God. Uh, I need to catch up with Paper Girls. Every yeah, time that you talk about it, I'm like, oh, I gotta catch up. But I did, I did catch up with Mighty Thor. I, so that was a huge undertaking. Yeah. My next big project is uh, Wicked and the Divine for oh, Joey. Oh yes, I gotta, gotta get caught up on that too. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta do that. I gotta do that quick. The old guard we bought it. Actually, you convinced my husband Steve to read it. Oh, he went. We, he was like, wow. I want that trade, and I went to the comic book store and bought him the old guard. I was like, okay, All I right. love it. I love it. No. It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. So that's right. my next project. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so last book of the evening, Rocket Girl, number 10. Yes. Brandon Montclair, Amy Reader, issue 10 is the final issue. I'm sorry, what? It's the final issue. Rocket oh. Girl is done for now. Oh, for now? She may be back. Bob. But she is done for now. This will the second trade will be out about a month or so from now. It, it as with Paper Girls, lots of timey wimey stuff as the young Johansson has come back from an alternate future to sort of our nineteen eighty six to make sure her future doesn't happen. This is I can't say too much because there's so much here that is perfect. And I spoke to Brandon and Amy at the show. And it's sort of in their back matter here. This is the story they wanted to tell. It did take them a while to get here, to get this to be right and exactly what they wanted. And it is there on the page. It's an absolutely amazing, amazing finale. It is thrilling. It is beautiful. It is heartbreaking, all in equal measure. And when you finish and turn back and then look at the cover again, which is staggering because it's Amy Reader. You'll you'll have tears in your eyes. Is this is lovely? Read the back matter. Read what what uh, Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair have to say about this just spectacular series. The artwork has always been above and beyond. Amy, in her farewell, describes it as sort of the toughest thing she did, but it's also she feels it's her best work, and that continues here in amazingly laid out pages and expressive faces and the lighting and the coloring. Brandon's words match up to this. We, we are given an ending that is satisfying and really, really sad at the same time. And it all in character with how they act. There are some really surprising things that happen that you, that have to happen that make sense and get turned on their head at the same time. If you've been following the Rocket Girl month to month and you've read issue 10, you you you've you've been hit hit over the hit over the head and stabbed in the heart as you've read this and more power to you for those who haven't. It's, I'm going to go for a reread. I say go for it yourself. You won't be disappointed. I love you, Bob. You cost me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Truer words are so rarely spoken. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That is beautiful, Bob. I can't wait to uh, to check that out. 
and might be now might be a good time because all the all the comicsology sales are still going on from uh, con weekend. Oh, uh, well, the yep. volume volume two of the trade is right here in the back. Is due out on in comic stores December sixth, and in bookstores on the twelfth. Collecting oh. issues six through ten. Nice. All right, uh, that's going to do it for books. We're going to answer a listener question, but before we do, I want to give a shout out to a listener question that we got later in the day from Steve Stewart. I told him that I love the question, and I do. We're going to save that one for when Joey returns to the show, because I feel like this uh, one was kind of made for him yeah, in a way. So, I agree. Uh, yeah, let's hold on to that one for now, and... Uh, this podcast will answer a question from our friend Sarah. She wants to know, on a scale of one to sweet Christmas, are you in, are you insane? How wrong was I to start watching Jessica Jones with my 13-year-old last night? <laughs> well, well, I don't know. For me, as much as I love sweet Christmas, are you insane? Sweet Christmas. I am leaning more towards one than Sweet Christmas on this one. I'm actually it's, with it, you. I'm with tough, you on this. <laughs> thank you. I, I'm happy to hear that, actually, because, like, for me, I, I, I full, you know, caveat here, I do not have children. <laughs> um, but I think that this is something that you want to watch together. You know, like, it's not like there isn't some serious subject matter in here that's going to prompt a conversation, because I think that there is. Um, but I think those conversations are best had when you have watched it together. And these are conversations that you do want to have, and that you want to have maybe before they actually have a personal connotation, <laughs> when they're still just, hey, I saw this on TV, <laughs> you know? Um, and hopefully, hopefully that is still the case. <laughs> um and you know what, even just, um, you know, because for me personally, I didn't want to watch this one by myself. <laughs> I was terrified. Um, this one, I love Jessica Jones. Like this one as well for me was my favorite of the uh, Marvel Netflix. Um, I think it was the best constructed. I loved it. Uh, it definitely has the best villain, scariest villain uh, that Marvel has produced for, for me. Again, my personal aesthetic and my personal kind of experience. Um, he was the scariest for me. Um, but especially because some of the fear in Jessica Jones came from the quiet moments, the direction, you know, when she's on the street looking around and it could be anyone. It could be any single person on the street who's watching her, who's a threat to her, who's, you know, and, and it's, the, it's the quiet moments like that. It's the PTSD-type symptoms that she shows. It's not always those moments where she's up against the bad guy and she's actually able to, to do some of her fighting or to ha use some of her strength. It's, it's the moments of weakness where the fear comes out, and those are the moments where the conversations might get prompted. So I think watching these types of shows and Jessica Jones in specific with your kids seems like a really great thing to do, especially at a really vulnerable age like 13, um, because 
you can have you have a, a catalyst there for conversations that you wouldn't necessarily be able to just up and have. So, mm. Those are my those are you my know, I, I agree with you. I'm on the, the lower end of the scale. Um, I, I don't think it's that crazy, especially if you, you know, again, I'm going to say I don't have children either. So I am not, you know, I'm not a parent. Uh, I, I, I don't have kids, but I think, you know, you can also gauge, you know, your child. Like if, if you're sitting there watching it with your child, you probably have a good guess that your child, you know, is, is is probably smart enough to understand what's happening in the show, you know. And like you said, I think it's better to have those conversations before, you know, they experience it alone. You know, uh, you, you think about things that you go through as a kid, especially at 13. I don't know. They don't preference it to a girl or, or a guy but I know being a 13 year old girl is rough okay <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah yeah it is it's a rough time <laughs> it's really rough man like it's it's not I I apologize to my mom on the regular for, <laughs> for, yeah. for like you know the 13 year old like nightmare that I was um uh -huh. and I, you know I agree with you I think it's important to kind of have those conversations with your kids instead of just letting them wonder and you know that show was really well done it's not you know it's not like just blatantly like uh, you know I'll, I'll say uh, it's it's not like blatantly just doing things to be gross or vulgar or this or that or sexual it everything in that show has like a meaning behind it and it is also my favorite out of all the marvel shows i i thought it was great i thought david tennant was just so amazing and oh, for so such good. like he's not a big man he's not a, a you know this but he's scary He's truly yep. frightening. He's terrifying, really. Like you're you're terrified by him and he's like this little short dude. You know, you're like so <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's the truth, but he's But he is truly terrifying. He is. He's absolutely terrifying. So yeah, I don't think, you know, especially you know, I, I think you have to gauge your kid as well. You know what I mean? I think maybe not all children it would be great for, but if you know your child, you can have these conversations with your child and your child is at the point where they can understand that this is T V as well. You know, mm -hmm. I know that there are some kids that, that can't um, separate, you know, uh, TV from real life. And that may be hard. And maybe those children shouldn't watch that show. But I think if you know your kid and you know that you could talk to them and have an adult conversation with them, then yeah, go for it. Explain to them, watch it. It's a great show. Absolutely. I have only seen little bits and pieces of Jessica Jones. I know that it is very adult in the right way sort of program in that it just as you ladies are saying it's it's about important stuff couched in the superhero vernacular yes in this particular case the 13 year old in question bella is a very intelligent very self-aware very progressive young lady and in the company of, of sarah i think those conversations are going to lead to something really special between them and so the the deficit benefit thing mm -hmm. all to the benefit side because even the toughest imagery in the right setting with the right mentor beside you lead to more self-awareness more progressive thoughts more positive images about yourself and so i'm I'm with you, ladies. I'm saying we're at we're at the low end. Sarah, if you want us to say "Sweet Christmas," you're insane. You're not. You're doing a good job. I agree. Good job, Ditto. Sarah. Yeah, round of applause. Woohoo! 
Now, this is typically the part where I swoop in and tell Sarah that she's a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> and you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> How dare you? But I'm not going to do that. Because I agree with the rest of the table. Um, yeah, it's it's a rough show. It's a rough show. And given the age, you know, you're the parent. You need to be the one to make that call. And I think making the call to watch it with her and participate in the conversations and in the viewing is a smart move. You know, who better who better to do it with than, you know, somebody that they that they trust and trust to look out for their best interests and to educate them about, you know, kind of ways of the world and the way that some people work and, and how, how, you know, people live day to day and stuff like that. Some really deep conversations that come from that show. That's why it's my favorite as well. Like I right up there with Luke Cage, but there's something about Jessica Jones that just cuts right to the core. There's so many, it's such a multifaceted show, you know, all righty. Oh, quickly, I just want to say Sarah and Bella were at the Meanwhile Comic Con in Chichester a couple of weeks ago. Oh, cool. And they cosplayed together as Molly and Ripley from Lumberjanes. Aw. Nice. Yes. That's cool. Yes, That's absolutely cool. adorable. Nice. Oh, yeah. Speaking of comic book shows... There's a comic convention coming up here in London. Wow. I don't know if any of you live in the area, but the London Comic Con is coming around in southwestern Ontario, located at the Western Fair District. It is October 13th through the 15th, so it's coming up this weekend. We will be there. I will there be there. There you go. We will be there. We will be there <laughs> on Sunday, uh, probably around like 12.45, 1 o'clock. Uh, I'll be sitting next to Chris Runciman. Chris Runciman. Chris Runciman of Runciman Press. He also happens to be the organizer of the con. Uh, And close personal friend. So, yeah, I'm going to be there. I I haven't come up with a plan yet, but it's going to be great. (laughs) It's going to be fantastic. I'm definitely going to be talking to Chris. I know that. He and I have been trying. I've been trying to sit down with him for an interview for over two years, probably longer than that. It's probably more like four years. It's wow. been a long time. It's been a long time. So uh, he and I are going to chat. That's going to be a lot of fun. He's hysterical. And he's really interesting, too. He's a good guy. So he's got his own label, built it from the ground up with his wife. And, uh, yeah, so that'll be cool. And, hell, if that's all it amounts to or if I could pull a couple of people off the floor to sit down with me and I'm feeling up to it, we will do that, too. But, uh we should have something special to share with you from that, uh, possibly next week. I will talk to Joey about organizing something. And, uh, yeah, so just a little heads up. Does anybody else have anything they'd like to say before we get out of here? Goodbye. No. <laughs> Bob, you usually have something. No. Not today. Wow. I would have told you. I would have told you. I told you. Told you. Off the rails. This whole podcast. <laughs> I was gonna throw in the so trash bin. It's just gone, it's just gone crazy. We've gone we've gone crazy with ourselves. Just All right. Michigan. Michigan. I'm still angry that I didn't hear that. Okay, Michigan. I'm really angry about this. All right, that's gonna do it. 
we're done here for the Talking Comics podcast. If you want to send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. We are also on Twitter at TalkingComics. Don't forget to check out TalkingBooks.com for news, reviews, and articles about comics, video games, TV shows, and much more. We also have podcasts of every flavor, including Talking Movies, Games, Valiant, Legendary Runs, D&D Adventure, Bendis Assembled, and more. Bob. Where could our listeners find you? Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. I didn't know if that was going to work. <laughs> Jessica, how about you? At Jarska for all the things. <laughs> Bronwyn? I am at ShinyBabyB on Twitter and Insta. Insta? Mm-hmm. We're leaving off the gram now? We are. <laughs> yeah, what? Any, any, I have any faith in our listeners. Say, okay. Yeah. <laughs> The IG. <laughs> All right. Uh, I am at dead underscore anchorus on Twitter and the Insta. Yeah. <laughs> <And> um, <laughs> join us next week when Joey records the show and you won't have to deal with any of this nonsense. We're back. Whoa. Hey, we're back. All right. No, we totally didn't have technical difficulties again at all. <laughs> Not at all. All right. So short a person. There we go. It's happening. Yay! Oh, God. <laughs> oh God. So, Bob, if you want to say some kind of goodbye, no, say it now no. or forever hold your peace. Say the secret word, and the duck will come down and pay you $100. All right. Jessica. <laughs> oh, bye-bye. <laughs> We're done. Broadwin. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you bye-bye. later now. Bye-bye. Did somebody just hang up? Why am I hearing hang-up sounds? <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, God. Okay. I did not hang up. I didn't hang up either. I have been Steve. Look, if I'm not here next week, you guys you know every one. reason as to why. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird, wild world we're living in. Be excellent to each other. Do something nice for somebody. Tell the people that you love that you love them. And just put something positive into, into this life because uh, we, we, we need it. All right, we'll catch you guys next time on the Talking Comics Podcast. To be continued. amongst yourselves if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well now you've put the inspector gadget song in my head Oh, I miss this character. That was a good again. show. <laughs> next time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's going to be the after credit sequence. <laughs> 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 <laughs>